Welcome to episode 377 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto guys, welcome along to episode 377 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going mate? I am good Bevan and you? Oh, we're back in the studios. It was, it won't, it's no different for the listeners is it? We're here, we've been there every week but this is the first time in a month we've been back together. Oh, I've got a bit more of a tan. Yeah. I, yeah. I, when I was in America, nice. I wore my sunglasses all the time mm-hmm. and I don't really wear face. Oh, crap. I wanted a bit of a tan, but the you problem is. You put all was, the other crap on, but you can't afford to put on face. It's not affording. It's, it's, wow. it's, it's, I just want to be brown. Mm. But the thing was, by the end of the trip, I had white eyes. I looked like an idiot. And so I had to basically I have nothing few- new. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> So I had to have a few days with just no sunglasses on, but you're just squinty. It wasn't a good place. But hey, it's not so bad now, is it? It's tough. Yeah. Our talk is proudly brought to you by? Coffeesofwhy.com. I actually caught up with Albert. Nice. Tasty coffee. Athlinks.com. Uh, social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. Trainingpeaks.com. Uh, the place to see how you can get better. And SLS try. Just look cool. Okay, guys, in this week's show, what have we got happening? We've got a bit of news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got an interview, John, and you've already done it, which makes my job easier today. Yep. Uh, so I caught up with Joe Friel, and we are talking power, and I tried to keep it... Uh, bit more age group specific you know um for potentially for for bigger athletes we talk a bit about uh hill climbing and how to modify your efforts when you're going up climbs talked a little bit about uh riding on the trainer and uh yeah a bunch of power related things about 30 minutes long isn't it mm-hmm. oh my job's so easy today mm. and then we've got some questions and answers at the end okay guys well over the last few weeks we're not, we're not going to talk about races that went on oh so, uh, i thought we'd do a quick skim over some of the highlights that i saw because at this time of the year there's a lot of second third tier sort of Ironmans on and uh, there's not a lot of amazing racing um, so I thought rather than sitting here and skim over about 20 Ironmans just a few highlights that I saw oh, John's highlights were cool anyway. yep. like, like in your hair yep. have you ever had stuff in your hair that, <laughs> ask that question think about that question and then ask it again and uh, <laughs> oh, highlights I used to get highlights anyway um, big money races John we <laughs> Yeah. We're back team. Yeah. Okay, better man. We had it in Bintan, 40,000k for first place and 150,000k overall. And uh, was it Courtney Ackerson took it out? Courtney Ogden. Ogden, sorry. Courtney, Courtney Atkinson uh, was there and he was leading the race. But then first time Ironman, I don't know, either exploded or whatever, but he did not finish. And I think it was, I'm not sure how many laps it was on the run, but uh, he didn't last too long on the run. But he was leading out of the swim, rode solo off the front, and I think he had a several minute lead over the sort of chasing pack. And then, uh, yeah, just didn't finish. Courtney Ogden, biggest race, uh, biggest win by a long shot of his career. And I think he said he won more prize money in that day than he's won in the last five years combined. Now, did Courtney get top 10 in Kona? He did, didn't he, a couple of years ago? Mm. That'd be debatable, I would have thought. Oh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe I just talked to him afterwards. He's so a nice guy. He's, um, yeah, he, he, he's one of those guys. He's, he's won a number of Ironman races and, and challenge sort of ones. Uh, I know he won Western Australia a few years ago, but you certainly wouldn't put him in the league of one of the big hitters. And so, he, so he took it out eight thirty one fifty seven uh, fifty fifty minute swim four thirty six on the bike and a three oh two run and, and a three oh two run. 
assuming it was accurate in those conditions is actually not too shabby you know, incredibly hot over there yeah and uh tim burkle was was in second place so came off the bike together and uh he, he didn't manage to hold it on the run and tim burkle on his day is, is a fantastic runner we saw in cairns earlier this year that you know, he ran like a 240 something uh so didn't probably handle the heat quite as well and frederick kronberg uh was in third place and in fourth uh, and this really shows the depth and strength of this field was Caroline Stephan. And, yeah. uh, I mean, she's a, an amazing athlete, but still, when she's getting fourth in a race that has got $150,000 prize money, you just got a, it's a bit of a head scratcher, really, as to why more guys didn't turn up. So she was fourth. And well, she, John, you could have turned up and probably got... I probably would have. If I'd had a reasonable day, I would have got fourth. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what was that paying? Uh, Let me have a look because you've, yeah, you've got the link here. You I'll, I'll go through the girls. So Caroline Stephan took out the girls' race uh, pretty solidly from Gina Crawford and really did the damage on the bike. They were clipped together coming out of the swim, but she put 20 minutes into Gina on the, the run. Gina clipped out seven minutes out of her on the run, um, going seven minutes quicker. So she was 9.28. And in third place, another uh, 10 minutes back, was Candice Hammond, the Kiwi. Yeah, the Granges there, um, only four minutes separating the, the, the Granges um, in eighth and ninth overall with Justin there and Belinda Granger in, in ninth. So pretty pretty small field. Fourth place to take away four grand, US. Yeah, so not bad. If I'd got there for free, it would be all right. But if I'd had to pay to get there, probably yeah. be looking at I don't know, two, two, two to three grand to get there. Make a, make a grand for anyway. Yeah, but I, I would have thought I could have done that. So, but hey, racing in the heat is an easy talk, easy to talk a big game. But racing in that sort of heat is it can be bloody tricky. So, good on the guys at Metaman for stumping up the cash. And um, I wonder what the overall field size was. Well, they had a half as well, which I think okay. they had quite. They had. Uh, I, th- I think they had about, around about 450 in total over the field, but they only had in the uh, in the full, they only had, well, I'm on to page three, and that's not even all the finishes. So they only had 39 finishes, and they had about 50 um, oh, wow. starters. So what a wicked payday for that many people. Mm. Why do they get so much money? Uh, it's done on Bintan Island at a, at a, at a resort, and uh, just stump it up. So, yeah. When you've got half, they will uh, that that will have propped things up a bit, but it's just a shame that um that pros. Why didn't Cam Brown? Why didn't he race? Because they, they were they were promoting him big time beforehand. Yeah, don't know. Did he DNF? I uh, can't see him there. Because hmm, he was they were sending out you know they're sending out like emails saying Cam Brown's coming and yeah and he would have taken the forty grand happily I'm sure I'm sure he would have yeah yeah so but good on them good on them and, and you know what the the guys at Metaman are really good at promoting their race often and emailing us just giving them us updates and you know doing the work that they need to do to promote their race so mm. hopefully you know they're putting on big money I, I kind of think they're an unfortunate time of the year. Um, if they could be a little bit like if they could be late July, I, I think more than that, it's probably the conditions, and it's just so hot and, and risky. And and whilst yeah, but it, if you win in July, you'd still get a better field than this because you yes. get a couple of people who go, you know what? But you had that uh, we had that race in uh, Koh Samui that was a, a much better timing and, and had fantastic money, and you didn't have a st- you had more than this, but you just still didn't have a stack load of guys. And I think for these races, you know, whilst it's fantastic money very top heavy and so you know if you know say say for example we said i was going to get fourth and was it four thousand or six thousand you know you you, you iron up if i don't win it's not actually that great i mean it's still good money but it's a long way to get to it what are you getting at an ironman now if you get fourth it's probably less than that but you probably don't have to travel quite so far you know you'd probably be in the the region in, in the area so i would have i would have thought that if they paid maybe 
um, deeper, a bit stronger, deeper. You're still not going to get you're not going to get the rock stars, but you're going to get probably a deeper field and, and put on a better show. I would have thought so. Something to think about. Um, we also had high V, which is not an iron race, but what, what's the distances of a high V? Olympic distance. So it was uh, the the season finale for the. 5150 well, I don't know if it is a 5150s finale actually but it's um it's big money racing and it's just that's what I wanted to highlight these big money races over the weekend hundred thousand dollars first place yeah, that's a good payday and the difference with this one do you know what is how sad it is that that's a great payday because mm. it's actually not in comparison to other sports mm. you know like comparison to other similar size sports it's probably not bad but I totally know what you mean compared to the big sports it's still pretty crap but 100k for first drops to I think 20 for second but difference here, it pays down to 30, 30th place. And so for, for 29th, you're still getting 1,000 US. So if you're really? based in the US, yeah. So if you got 4,000, what place did you have to get? Like if um, we look at, you know, well, I know Tom, da- Tom well. Davison, uh, Christchurch chat, he finished 12th. And I think he either got four or $6,000 for 12th. Okay. So that's pretty reasonable given if you're based in the States, it's only an Olympic distance, so you can keep backing up and, and, and race the next weekend, race the weekend before. So he took that out in a reasonably comfortable fashion, had to come from behind on the on the run, but it was a bit of a, a lay-down race. You know? and, and ter- again, in terms of the field, this one, it was a good field, but certainly not ITU standard or anything like so that. So why not? What, when you well, you've that- got to qualify for it. And, uh, oh, do you? Yeah, so you've got to do other 5150 series. So, what, done some. He'd done a few races to, to qualify to be within, be able to do the finale. So. And so, was he just miles ahead of everyone? Uh, wasn't, no, he oh, wasn't miles Kemper's ahead. good and Bennett's good, but. Yeah, he, had to, he was a minute down coming off the run, uh, coming off the bike, and he had to run through and take it. And, and I don't know how hard he would have pushed on the run, but geez, he does a lot of racing. Man, he does an incredible amount of racing. Which guys. always blows my mind with guys like that because. They're top end athletes, aren't they? You know, like he's mm. he's he's sharp, yeah. you know. And for him to go on and push, Tim Hemming sent through and he said, "Does this signal that the ITU world title doesn't really matter to Gomez? Well, it's not his number one priority in Hyde Park. While it looks the winner, like the winner will take all, even if Gomez wins, the Spaniard has to rely on Alistair Brownlee finishing third to take the overall title. So maybe, he's, you know, I think 100k talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what it shows. Yeah. 100k talks, but I don't know why it doesn't talk to a lot more of the athletes because he was really. Pretty much the only ITU guy there. The rest were all guys who were focusing on non-drafting races. Like you had Bevan Doherty there. He was only in sixth place. But you didn't really have any of the other ITU guys make the crossover. So, um, yeah, good on him. But is it, is it Hy-Vee's downfall because they've made it so hard for the ITU guys to turn up? Bit of both. Yeah. Bit of both. Yeah. 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 So good on him. Emma Moffat took out the girls' race. Does it matter? Does it matter that they don't have Brent? Like, does bringing the Brownleys to this race make it a better race? Well, to make it a better race for the hardcore triathlete, whether to make a better spectacle at the event. Well, we're going to be talking about that soon, aren't we, John? Yes. <laughs> okay, um, what else we have? We so have a few things that, that, that sort of popped up when, when Bevan's been away, is, and, and some, one thing that didn't really get a lot of coverage. Wait a second, Moffat took out the female. Moffat did take yep. out the female. Okay. Yep. Um, was we had uh, Ironman Copenhagen, it was supposed to be challenged Copenhagen, but there was a dirty takeover that did. A dirty place. takeover. And, uh, and, and one thing that didn't seem to get any, to start with, the race didn't get, seem to get any coverage anywhere. Um, and I don't know why that was. Even on Ironman, they didn't seem Ironman.com. They didn't seem to have a post-race article or anything like that. So I'm not quite sure went on. But on the girls' side of things, a girl called yeah, Eva that's right. Wooten yeah. took it out in 8:37. 8:37, and like so, then the second place and third place are over nine hours, 9:02, 9:04, which means it's a it's a pretty quick course. But 
8.37. Yeah, it is a very quick course. I was looking at a number of times. Um, uh, like the guys, the guys, the guys. He went eight twelve. The first guy, but he's a guy I've never heard of. Like the yeah, first, so they're not first rock stars. three were all all. Uh, Keegan Williams, who's who's a kind of a kind of eight thirty guy normally on a, on a New Zealand mm. eight forty guy on New Zealand course. He did eight twenty five. So I would have said this is possibly a bit quicker than wrote this this course. But still, eight thirty-seven. Oh man, and nobody mentioned it. And and like I, I tried to check her out, and she hasn't hardly done anything. She's really? had a few seventy-point-three results here and there, but nothing amazing. I was like, holy crap, that is smoking fast. So I don't, I don't well, know. name to look out for. Yeah, so I just can't believe it didn't get any coverage anywhere. She wouldn't qualify just on that result, would she? She'd need more points. I wouldn't have thought I'll so. Too late now anyway. We'll find out in a moment, won't there we? There we go. Uh, we also had, uh, good to see Chris McDonald back in the winner's circle. Uh, he go, took Chris. out Ironman Louisville in record time, and he hasn't done much for a while in terms of I think winning he's had races. an injury period, hasn't he? He's just yeah. had a tough couple of years. Yeah, so good to see him back on top taking out Louisville. We had the um, US Pro Championships, and it was a f- uh, moved to Mont-Tremblant this year. So first time they've had an iron distance race there, I think. Uh, Luke Bell took that out. You'd expect him to take him out. Pretty convincing fashion. As we predicted and as most people have said, the field was... Um, was this Canada? Uh, no, this is Mont-Tremblant, which is in Canada, but it's yeah. not Ironman Canada. But it's kind of the Ironman Canada race. No, it's now. not. Ironman Canada is now Ironman Canada. It's Whistler. Oh, so they have two races in Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Luke Bell won. Luke Bell took it out. Oh, good stuff. Um, pretty convincing fashion by about five minutes. Uh, so it's the second one this year. It is. Sick two, and he's never had one before. Yeah, and for, again, US Championship, not really a championship field. Good, strong field, some good guys there. But you know, if you could, compare it to, to, to Wan- uh, not Wanaka, to Melbourne Germany. and Germany, it so he will have a big, big, big payday as well. It'll be a good payday and good points. So he will have rocketed up the rankings, I think. So he took that out. 47 minute swim, 4.36 on the bike and 2.57 on the run. Took that out from Brandon Marsh and Bart Jammer. Um, I don't know, did you see the picture? Or was it? No, this was in Whistle. The beer? Save that. Yeah, that was from Whistle. We'll save that for when we get to oh, Whistle. Oh, man, that was crazy. <laughs> On the girls' side of things at um, Mont-Tremblanc, we had uh, Mary Beth Alice take it out in 9.07 from Rebecca Keat in 9.16 and Anya Berenek in 9.17. So very close racing. There was less than a minute between second, third and Liz Blatchford in wow. fourth place. That's great. Interesting to see how Liz Blatchford goes now. She's done uh, a couple of races and uh, see how she can cross over. I'd imagine she'll go to Kona. She's a former ITU athlete. Very good 70.3 athlete. Hasn't quite transformed that across to, to Ironman, but still not too bad. We also had Ironman Whistler. Mm-hmm. Ironman Kennedy, but some people would call it. That's what, I, that's what WTC would call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, what happened there? Richard the Scary Bear Waddington sent us through a bit of a report saying initially he thought the bike course was going to be um, really difficult <clears throat> and the times were going to be way slower. When I looked at the times, yes, they were slower than, than say, a really flat course, but not, not crazy slower. Um, but it sounded like it was, uh, it was a pretty good race and uh, they closed down the... The main highway, we're going up there for Epic Camp next year and it's apparently a fairly busy road and it's like it's the only road anywhere. There's no other out. way in and out and they, and they managed to, to close it down. Oh, yeah. that's pretty impressive because you've got to close it down for a few hours. Yeah. And yeah. if people can't get out. Yeah. 
and uh, sounds like it was potentially could have been pretty cool, you know, up in a, a slight bit of altitude there, and, and some of the days leading into the race was was pretty cool. Trevor Wirtle took it out, eight thirty nine, um, swam fifty four, bike four forty six, and ran two fifty four. So a lot of the run times here seem to be a bit on the slow side. Not many guys went under three hours. Matthew Russell was in second. They had a pretty good tussle there, but um, he faded a bit on the run. And Paul Amy was in third place. Gills it. Girls' side of things was early broom took that race out. Our one hundred three swim five thirteen on the bike, three hundred six on the run for nine twenty eight from Lisa Ribes and Gillian uh, Gillian Moody. And the, yeah, the, the the picture we were discussing it was um, floated around a bit on on Facebook. Oh, mind blowing! On the run, so they're running along. A little, I'll put it on this week's website. Yeah, they're running along a little pathway, and you can see runners going out and back. And in the background, there's a bear walking across the path. And it's not a thick pathway. It's, it's literally no. like a pathway that probably four people across. Yeah. And literally, a bear's walking off. Man, do you think the runners saw it? I don't know. Because in the photo, the bear's kind of around the corner, and, and, and the, one people are going in one direction, so the bear will be behind them. But yeah. other people are coming. Yeah, it would be interesting. Imagine, season. imagine if someone had died by beer killing them. <laughs> imagine if that was a new story. Oh, that would be. Oh, I tell you what, that's one way to motivate you. It would, it would be interesting to see a heart rate, some heart rate data. If that, what would you do if you were running along and you saw a beer? Would you just? What are you meant to do? You meant to freeze, aren't you? Or are you meant to? Are you meant to get big? <laughs> just do a few press ups. Yeah, you're supposed to only supposed to get big. Oh yeah, I yeah, I think you are. Oh, you actually literally just yeah. think you're bigger. Yeah. I see. I don't know, John. See, that's yeah. the thing is, in that moment, you go, "I wish I'd actually read that article." Because yeah. <laughs> you start going bigger, goes, "Oh, this means more food." Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what I'd do. You know, if you're bloody a beer, you don't mess with beers. No. But did you stop and wait for him, and then some prick comes Because might have been frightened because lots of people were running past. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was a good photo. That was gold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, John, we also said Iron Man. Oh, no, there's a new announcement. Iron Man is... Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Da, da, Tennessee. Da, 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 Another American Iron Man. Well, that makes it number 11 in, in South North America. So prize money, 25,000K. Prize money, 25,000K for both fields. Yeah. That's not a lot of money. <laughs> That's appalling. <laughs> yeah, that is the minimum level. So 12 and a half per... Pitching a nice and low. I think, yeah, it's it's pretty poor. 50 but, slots? Yeah. You Americans, case. there is a lot of slots available in, in North America now. A lot. Yeah, you guys got to work it. You always have, but it's even worse now. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there are more races coming up. Twenty five thousand k, but come on, WTC. That's poor. Put some money on. You're selling out your races. Yeah. Coming up, we've got the seventy point three champs in Vegas. Um, start list has been announced, and over the last few years, we've actually seen a pretty good field here. You know. If, Back in the old days, it was kind of a bit, a bit, not second tier, but you'd only get one or two rock stars. Whereas now, we look at this year's field, you've got Sebastian Keenley, you've got Bevan Doherty, you've got Andy Potts, you've got Craig Alexander, mm. Terenzo Bozzoni. You so, know, so it could go, a strong it, field. This could go anywhere. I'm, I'm, somebody asked, uh, it was uh, Yancey Arrington asked me on our Sunday ride, who do you think is going to take it out? And I was like, well, there's a lot of guys there that could win it. Sebastian Keenley hasn't showed much this season. He's been injured and just hasn't done much. But if he's on fire, he could take it again. And Bevan's, you know, he's had a 51-50 race at the weekend, so he should be a bit of speed work there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who to pick there. It's, um, you know, and then you've got guys like Tim O'Donnell down there, number, seeding number 20. He could quite easily take it out. Um, yeah, so I don't know where it's going to go. I'd say the girls' field's probably not as strong. You've got um, Landa Cave, obviously, well, current she champion. She hasn't done I don't know, but she's been injured or sick all season. She hasn't done anything. I, yeah, I can't remember her name popping up in a race. It hasn't. 
and and in the ones that she does, she's been um, she's been well down the field. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Uh, maybe she just partied too hard last year. Possibly. You know, just all letting the hair out. I have a word all. You got Kelly Williamson. Um, who else we got here? Kat Morrison, but not 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 the same as kind of strength as the males field. Mm. So sporty docks here. Last time racing in Vegas. Don't know if there'll be a seventy a seventy point three there in the future, but uh, next season it is moving to Montreal. I was in Vegas about ten days ago, John, and uh, tell you what, I don't know if I want to do a race here. Well, this is the thing that last year I think they got pretty lucky and it wasn't too hot, That's but potentially hot. it could be forty degrees. So we were, I think, one we we're getting close to forty degrees when we were there. Mm. And like we, Vegas for us, we just sat by the pool. It was kind of a relaxing time of our trip. And we sat by the pool probably six hours a day, but we never went in the sun. It was so hot, you had to be in the shade. Mm, mm. It was like so hot. Mm. And, I, and I was thinking, like even just the idea of going for a 45 minute run did my head in. Yeah. You know, like imagine doing a hard race there. Very but, tough. You know, I don't think they close down the strip. Imagine if they close down the strip. I don't think it goes anywhere near the strip. No, but that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. They do that for, a mar- for the marathon. Oh, do they? Yeah. And I think it's, I think it finishes at night. So you're running up the strip at, at night. You've been to Vegas. Mm. Did you like Vegas? Yes, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had this discussion a lot. Did you gamble much? Yes, I did. I didn't put fifty dollars on. Oh, yeah. I didn't do it. Oh. We lost seventy. Did you? But we ended up pokies. Oh my god! <laughs> Amateur. Well, hour. I don't even understand why people even bother with pokies. It's just ridiculous. John, where's the Nixers? But guy? I thank everybody that did because we get a lot of funding from poking what, machines. What did you do to your hand? Oh, that's my hard labour. Oh really? Tell you about that He's later. got man hands. I no. s- I'm going to send this text now because Belinda will be up. And John's in trouble. And he goes to me. He goes, "Look, the phone may ring. I'm in trouble." So I listen, I'm going to take, take deep doodos. So when we're in Vegas, Jumbo, we we're watching. I, I love watching people gamble because I, I hate losing money. I'm, I'm pretty tight, and uh, but I'm quite happy to sit there and watch people. So we went to Bellagio. Mm-hmm. Pretty flashy one. That one. All the fountains out yeah. front. We stayed at the MGM. MGM's quite nice, but Bellagio's next level. You can go yeah. hang out with Tiger. I mean, the lion at the MGM? Yeah. 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 You know, they, the, the, the MGM, they used to have a tiger at their front door. I know. That's what I was meaning. No, but they got rid of it because Asians, it's an unlucky. Oh, okay. And Asians are big gamblers, so yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they moved it. Um, but anyway, this guy, $1,000 US a bet mm. on blackjack. Mm. We watched him for about 10 minutes. He lost 16 grand. <laughs> Didn't even bother him. Yeah. He was just, oh, yeah, check it out for him. Yeah. 16 grand. They have at, at the MGM, John, they've got a pokey machine, which is a thousand bucks a spin. Wow. You were, you were playing that one. Oh, yeah, that's where I went, you know. <laughs> that's where I've retired, John. It's the last show ever. I know. Man, we went, well, we went, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but we met one girl on this bus. We kind of, we went into a pen and teller, and uh, they, were, they were off the strip a little bit, so you had to kind of catch a bus to go see them. And we were on the bus, we met this girl, and, mm. uh, and she goes, oh, yeah, I, I come to Vegas a little bit. And I go, oh, how often do you come? She goes, oh, three or four times. A month, and she, she lived on the other side of the country. She would mm. fly to Vegas, spend four or five days, three to four times a month. Mm. She had a problem. Mm. She had a problem. She had a. She, gosh, she had a problem. Anyway, um, back to the news. We don't have problems because we've got races coming up. We've got the Spirit. Uh, oh, Northern Wales in Montreal. Yes, and Wisconsin. Yes, I and Rev Three and Triathlon de Sud and Challenge Henley. And I've got to say, I watched um, Ironman Wales the other day on. YouTube and there's a kick butt race, man. It is, it is looks really, really race. cool. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but it was a very exciting race. They did really good coverage. It was like an hour long coverage, made it really, really good. And uh, 
yeah, it's it's it's, it's a race that's not going to attract a lot of pro guys, but they made it yeah pretty interesting. But it was a cracking finish. Was like, it really? Uh, the guy that was leading all the way through, um, oh, he was uh, the Aussie dude who won a few quite a few races. Uh, Aaron Aaron Farlow was leading lead, leading majority of the way, and he'd won Ironman UK the week or two weeks before or something like that. And uh, and this other dude caught him up with. Uh, 500 metres to go. Oh, no. <laughs> and smoke past and, and he just had no legs? He, he wasn't going too badly, but the other guy had him. And, oh, uh, that would break your heart, eh? Yeah, so uh. it was a good race. Okay, Michael, how do you say Michael's last name, John? Cor- Gransky. Okay, I'm going to go with Gransky. that one. He sent a very good article through from runblogrun.com, and it's an article saying that uh, the competitor group have decided to basically eliminate any funding towards elite athletes in the North American events. Did you read the article? I, I had a scan through it. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting, John. It's, it's, it's actually pretty sad. Shame on you, competitor group. Yeah, competitor group run a lot of the big big run races, really, don't they? Yeah, so I, I, they don't do they do they they seem to have a triathlon series now, but um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I don't think this is going to have too much of an impact on our sport at all because it seems like a lot of their events are mm. participation based events. Now it does have an impact for the the running community because they run a number of big running races and mm. whilst again they're participation based they do have a pro component to it so I don't think it's, it's at this stage as far as I can see it doesn't mean anything for triathletes um, no but, it, it, but it's, it's, it's kind of precedent a, yeah it sets the precedent and I think the thing is if we look at Ironman most people aren't elite athletes are they you know and, and you could look at this and say well it's very similar to the Ironman situation where most people are just looking at the sport as a way as, as a personal experience not as in like a solo soccer follower who you just become passionate about following the sport we don't have that many people who do that and it's almost a downfall of our sports and so these guys have basically determined uh, that as a business decision it's just not worth funding these athletes so they've, they've taken away all support um, I think even prize money yeah so, so basically saying we don't even get our pros at our races anymore yeah which is, um, I think it's it's poor form, but I, I what really pisses me off about it is I think you've got an obligation to support elite athletes. If you're if you're making money out of a race, uh, out of out of sport, I think you've got an obligation that you should put give back to the community, put put money back in in, in, in that way. And and the thing is. Like the rock and roll marathons are huge, massive, massive marathons. So they're doing big events now. If you're doing big events now, so the cost of doing this is costing them to support pros at there's 80, 83 events. Mm. So to support, support John, do the mess on this. It costs oh. them four hundred seventy five thousand dollars. So it's half a mil for eighty three events. That's a lot. If you, you, they're getting like races where they get over ten to twenty thousand people in races. Mm. Come on, guys. That's, that's just weak. poor form. Very poor. That's poor form. And so in this article, it's a really good article. I'll put a link to it on Talk, And it just talks about how many of the world's best, you know, have used these races as development tools to get better and better and better. And, mm. you know, it, it's it's not just you're taking away the money. You're taking away these opportunities to push these athletes to that next level. And I don't know. It's, it's just a sad, sad state of the sport if we're going to go, well, you know what? Who cares about pros anyway? Yes. And if I was in America, I would – I would not do any event that's associated with a competitor group. But, but the problem is, Joe Public don't know. No. You know? And, 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 and as a hypocrite here, I know for my business, I don't even try to touch the top end because it's just no point mm. in it. You know, like, and mine's not, um, mine is different because we are just trying to get people to get moving. But at the same time, I, I would never create a product for the top end because there's no money in it. Mm. So maybe I'm being a bit of a hypocrite, but I don't know. Like, it's, 
Whereas I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm pumping no, money no, into my elite race. So I pumped up my prize money this this season, and uh, and it basically for me it takes away from my bottom line. I don't I, I lose a significant amount of money on the elite race. So yep. like the sponsorship money doesn't cover the prize money, and I want to see it growing each year. I do. I would say though that my, as we said, a lot of their events are running based events and and things like the muddy buddy and things like that. Yep. So they don't, some of those don't have an elite component to it, which makes it even more reason to be able to put a bit into the, mm. the small amount of races you have but running is a, is, a, is a funny one it's different you know I'm on, on the triathlete magazine homepage here and you can see um, in their triathlete magazines you know on the front page of one it looks like Craig Alexander and, and I think maybe it's Marinda Carfrey on another one triathlon is different to running running because I think because all their, the, the best runners are often Africans they don't have the same. I don't think they have the same association. Like if I to to, the, to Joe Public. So if you, if you went up to a um, an average triathlete who who reason moderately serious about triathlon, they'd probably be able to be able to reel off. I would have thought a Mecca. number of a pro athletes. You went Alexander, up to uh, yeah, uh, maybe a couple of girls, Chrissy and Chrissy, and, yeah. and the Kiwis and know the key, top Kiwi athletes. Yep. You went up to a, a, a moderately good runner. I don't think they would be able to name. Well, there'd be who's the Pommy guy. Yeah, Mo Farah. Um, you name one other runner outside of Mo Farah who's a good yeah. um, marathon. I, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, and and so I don't know. There's, I, I, I yeah. I, okay, so if you look at the figures, and I know as you were saying, not all the races draw top pros, but it averaged out eighty three events they run, and it cost them six thousand dollars a race. <laughs> right. To, yeah. to to support pros. Yeah. Now, if you can't afford to do that. Shame just, on you yeah, shame, shame on your competitors because I think the thing is it's when a business goes from because I'm sure the guys who because competitors have been sold over the years, hasn't it? Mm. And the guys who originally started it, they would have never done this. You know, no. it's what happens it's when you Bob transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. And Bob, I'm sure Bob would never not support the pros. Mm. And it's it's when you go from being a you know a, a product that's been brought up from the people who love the sport to a business where people are looking at margins. And I've obviously looked at it as a business decision and gone, well, okay, well, you know, that $475,000 could be better to to increase our bottom line. Mm. There's no return on investment for that money, but actually there's a responsibility that they should have. So, yeah. Shame on you, John. Yes. Not you, John. No. No, but shame on them. Last little bit of news. KPR has closed off for the season, and uh, we haven't got the official word on who's in and who's out, but uh, we know on the guys' side of things it goes 50 deep, but there'll be a few guys in the top 50 that uh, will not be racing or either don't want to race or uh, maybe might have not done nine man. They may have done some 70.3s. So um, I think of, of interest is uh, Dirk Bockel only scrapes in at 49th place. Luke, Bow- uh, Luke McKenzie probably will scrape in at 51st. Um, but then down there in the 50s, you've got some guys who are pretty good athletes. You've got uh, Chris Lee, Clayton Fattel, Andrew Starkowitz, James Kanana, Paul Ambrose. Um, Marino's there in 60, so I think he's going to miss out. Trevor Wirtle is Marino's there. Marino's not racing, he's been injured. Yeah, Trevor Wirtle is there. I'm not sure if this includes the points from the weekend um, or from Whistler, but he's only in 61st. And probably the most notable one there is... Uh, Michael Raylert uh, is only in 62nd place, and I didn't see his name anywhere in there. So uh, Mike Twelsick down there in 68th. So quite a few good athletes, probably not guys that are going to be impact. Well, Michael Raylert could potentially impact the uh, win, and so could Marino. But, um, yeah, James Kanana, guys like that, they're... Uh, if you look at the girls, Joyce and only got 40, 34th. Yeah, but she hasn't done much racing. Yeah, I know, um, but she just, you know, just got in. She, yeah, so... 
So we'll, we'll probably have a little bit on this next week. Torsten will probably do, crunch the numbers and tell us exactly who's in and who's out. And uh, Tim Hemming sent through and said that um, Corrine Abraham, who took out um, Melbourne, is out of Kona. Mm, which is a shame because she had a storming result there. Yeah, she really did. Just have a quick, couple of little quick things, Jombo. Mm. Um, did you see the, the push at the finish line? Oh, yeah, I put that on Facebook. Yeah, so what do you think about that? I didn't really notice the push too much. He pushed him. Mm. He pushed them away. Mm. He smashed them. He punched them. No. <laughs> it was an interesting situation. For those of you who haven't seen it, again, I'll put it on the website. There was a, what race, 70.3 in Brazil. Brazil. And the guy, who was clearly the winner, but he, mm. he was celebrating, <laughs> pulled it up before Told. the finish line. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Lots of guys do it. Yeah. You know, like, how many guys have you seen do that? Most people, once they get to, you know, they yeah, know. Yeah, but you'd know if you had a guy not, you'd know, well, you should know if you've got a guy. 20, 30 seconds behind you. Yeah, and then, so he's celebrating with the crowd and then the second place guy steams towards the finish line mm. and, uh, and, and pretty much could have, could have won it really easy, couldn't he? I think so. It would have yeah. been pretty close. And the guy who was celebrating noticed, turned around, quickly went to the line and kind of gave him a bit block, of a shove. Block, a little bit of a block. No, he pushes. Yeah. You, you watch it again. He okay. gives him a bit of a shove. So, yeah. and, and so would have been bad form if the second guy took it out. Well, we'll discuss that later when we do a bit of a Facebook roundup. Oh, we got a Facebook post up there and people went crazy on it. Oh, did they? Okay, yeah. well, let's talk about that on the Facebook roundup. And lastly, we got an email through it and I've, I lost the email. So, but so I think it was Ironman Canada mm-hmm. um, and a lady who won her age group and her family ran up the finishing shoe and right. they queued her. Oh. Mm. But then they reneged on it and they came back and said it was okay. But I think it's an interesting discussion is that, first of all, they kind of had to queue because they've got this rule. Mm. And which is a stupid rule. Um, well, I think it is because I kind of think the be- the better question is go. How do we make this work? Mm. Instead of saying we can't make it work, is better. You know, we've talked in the past about this about why don't you have two shoots? Mm. You know, you have one for your, your family and one for non family. Mm. That way, you know, you could just even just split it off and have mm. families ready. Because I don't know, like <laughs> so many people want to take their family over the finish line, don't they? I get what you're saying, but the size of these races these days, and, and you know, if we're talking, when we finish at Taupo or something like that, there's nobody within Kui. Yeah. No problem at all. When other people are finishing, it's, it's just a procession. It's just like person after person after person. And so I, I, I get it, but... Well, they DQ'd her and she won her, oh, she got a Kona mm. slot and then they came back and said, oh, no, it's okay. Mm. So imagine that. But imagine if you got a Kona slot, you trained your whole life for it, and because your family ran up the finish line, mm. how would the kids feel? They feel awful. Yeah. So you got to know the rules. Oh, yeah, come on, John. Something I've, I've, I've got no sympathy. Oh, you got no, you got no, no love in your heart, John. Uh, love in your heart. Okay, what else we got here? Anything else? Uh, that's it. Okay, let's talk. Athlinks.com. Got some big changes big, coming up, John. Big changes. Yeah, we've all we've all seen. Yeah, you know, and Athlinks. Sometimes the site can be a bit slow. There's some functionality on there that um, doesn't necessarily get used that much. It's all changing. It's all coming up in the, in the next month or so. They're going to do a bit of testing with a few people and stuff. But completely new website. Completely oh, really? different functionality. It's going to be nice. New all new bells and whistles, and they're going to get rid They've of got bells and whistles on it. Yeah, it's wow. going to make all these funny sounds, and <laughs> they're going to be getting rid of the stuff that, that clearly people either don't use. Or it hasn't been updated and it's all changed so it's uh, it's good times coming up so so a month it's in the next month so sort of by the end then by the end of the year they'll be sort of fully rolling it out 100% and it's uh, it's going to be good times oh that's great so be like Jackie Gallagher who was our last Legends guest and get all your 
stats in one place and uh, store them all and there's going to be more functionality in terms of uh, configuring your rivals and things like that and um, it's just going to be a whole lot more seamless so look out for that coming up on athlinks.com They've got 330,000 members they've got the race results for over 123 million races Wow. And so we often just think of it as, you know, as, as triathlon results, but when you start factoring in all those running results, you know, like a, ma- a half marathon or a marathon with 20,000 people, that's a lot of results in there. Well, again, as John was talking about, Jackie Gallagher, if you haven't listened to it, it's a great uh, Legends show, but it, it was awesome. She had kept a record of every race she'd ever done, and she had the spreadsheet on mm. an Excel file, and it was just phenomenal. And it was just one of those things where you go, wow. What a cool thing to keep as an mm. athlete, you know, to look back on those races and do that. And it's, athletes makes it so easy for you to do that. And so, you know, just get into the habit of going to athletes after every race, pop in your results, and uh, it'll be that thing where maybe right now you don't actually know how great it is, but then later on down the piece, you'll, you'll kind of go, oh my God, this was the best thing I ever did. Exactly. Check it out, athletes.com. Okay, Jombo, we've got discussion of the weekend. You put this one up? Oh, I, I ended up a can of worms. I knew I would. God, people got fired up. Most people didn't read the question, but they got pretty fired up. Okay, so tell us what happened. So uh, Gordon Ramsay is doing Kona, um, apparently, and he hasn't qualified. Uh, he has done plenty of uh, triathlons. I think he's done some 70.3s. He also did one of those stupid runs, didn't he? Mm. Like a... You know, ran from one village to the next. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's done one uh, village <laughs> <laughs> uh, And so I thought people – somebody th- th- can I Can I just interrupt for one second? Hmm. If you're going to email us, guys, don't email us on Facebook. Yeah. Because we don't check it. And then you see eventually that someone sent us an email and we feel really bad. Hmm. podcast at gmail.com. Anyway, where you go, John. And so he's going to Kona. And, and initially earlier in the year we thought that – we were over and doing the 70.3. We thought, oh, maybe he's talking about going and doing the Kona 70.3. But no, he's doing Ironman and he's obviously got an entry um, without having having qualified. And so the question was, it looks like Gordon Ramsay has been given an entry into Kona without qualifying. Um, if you were in, now this is a key part of the question, if you were in WT's position, um, would you give him a free entry or not? And all of a sudden... All hell broke loose. Oh hell! I can't put it up. You keep talking. You give me a couple. Everybody of was um, just basically given their opinion on rather, rather than um, if you were in WTC's position. No one reads the question, do they, John? They don't. Uh, Paul Dean says, I find it hilarious that some people get so riled by this. It's a no-brainer for WTC to give him a slot as he brings more exposure. And get over yourselves with all the, you need to qualify um, to be their nonsense. There are plenty of folks on the pier who won't have qualified. Are you saying you disagree with the Inspire and Legacy spots? What about um, what about when a roll-down goes really deep? Is that allowed? Get a life, people. Get a life! Wow, you're that, making friends. Now that was the uh, probably one of the exceptions. Okay, so give me give me a typical answer. Uh, right, Stacey Davis head no if <laughs> way he should only have one if he entered the lottery or won one, and he should have completed an Ironman in the last five years. Okay, anyone else? Uh, my Facebook's not working for me, John. It's not. No, uh, the page opens, but then it doesn't go all the way down to the question you put on. Uh, um. Of all the people, why Gordon Ramsay says Glenn Cook? Uh, why? Frank Mc- Houdini McVeigh says, yes, I suppose so. Um, how how Tal Davis says, no issue with it. WTC own the event uh, and 
even their priority is always making money. High profile celebs make more people watch simple. He is a real deal too. He has been, uh, it has been his ambition for many years. He won't affect anyone else's race, hasn't taken anyone's slot, so why not? Again, that was the exception. Most people, Edward Wong, definitely not. He could do a relay or shorter distance um, as marketing, but definitely not like this. Uh, James Thompson, hell no. Hell no. Um, Look at the sky, John. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sky's burning like my <laughs> ass is going to be burning when I get home. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, there's lots and lots of uh, Anna Dempsey. That's shit. <laughs> have to make sure I kick his ass in in Kona. And, uh, and that was a general consensus. Most Your thoughts, John? Again, the question was, if I was in WTC's shoes. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. And, okay, uh, but let's look at the other side. Do you care? It doesn't really bother me. Hello, Joe. How you doing? Yeah, good. Um, nice holiday. Lovely holiday. It was a lovely holiday, apparently. Lovely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yes, I would totally have them in there. And um, it's going to bring more it's eyeballs. Exposure, isn't it? It's exposure. I think the thing that we need to recognise as well is for a guy like Gordon Ramsay who's going to do Kona, he has to work that whole week anyway because WTC were expecting to get as much PR out of that as possible. Mm-hmm. So there will be an expectation of, you know, he'll have to do blimmin PR, he'll have to do media, he'll, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be cameras beside him. Also just imagine turning up to a race with that much public profile where mm-hmm. everyone's got an opinion on you. And let's be honest, not everyone has a nice opinion on Gordon Ramsay. And I think the other thing that people have um, not, not noticed here is that Chances are he'll probably raise a lot of money for this. He's very, very good fundraiser in terms of for, for, for very good causes. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if. Oh, we to be see honest, I've got no time for the guy. I think he's a bit of a dork. Yeah, but um, and, the, and the other thing is, there's lots of people that get free, um, that give PR slots to each year. Yeah. It's, it's just because they're going to Lance Armstrong next year. Yeah, it's just <laughs> because Gordon Ramsay's such a uh, controversial character that people got really fired up. Yeah, and um, so I've got. No problem with it. I mean, I, I think it'd be nice if they had an allocated number of slots. Do you think they they'll like, make him a story? Oh, yeah. Did, like, no, but like for the ABC or the NBC. Well, I don't know how much of a story. It would definitely be featured on there. Hell yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but I don't know. What, uh, it'd be nice if, if WTC could just be up front and say, right, well, we, each year we're giving, we're giving away 15 slots to, to But they always people. have. I remember when I did yeah. it, I did it. They had um, The Bachelor. Yeah. The guy so who won The Bachelor or whatever. They had the, the, the fattest people who... <laughs> The fattest people, well, the, the biggest losers, the biggest losers. Um, so I don't know. Calm down, people. Calm down, Charlie Brown. Don't be like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Don't be the thing you hate in others. Yeah. Jeez. My mum does that. My mum. There's a lady she didn't like, and uh, and because the lady was quite scathing, she killed her. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard. You know. Yeah. No, but then my mum was always scathing about that lady. I was like, Mum, you're the person you don't like in the other person. Yeah. Be the better person, John. Yeah. Joe, you're the better person. You yeah. have, you always yeah. are. Joe's a good person. Uh, right, this one could be a little controversial as well. Oh, you just you like the controversy, don't yeah, you? Going crazy. And we had something else on there that went went mental as well. We had lots of comments on. Was it? The, I think there was the photo. It was the, it was the finish. Yeah. So we've got the legacy program, and it's starting to kick into action now. So, so the got, idea is that if you do twelve Ironmen in your career, 10, 12. 12, yeah, twelve. Twelve. Yeah, it's twelve. Um, if you do twelve Ironmen in your career, you then get to go into the legacy program, which means you put your name forward and. You, you will get to do Kona eventually. Now, mm. at this stage, it seems to be it's pretty quick. Mm. Um, over time, that may increase because people understand that sticking around a little bit longer may increase your chances of getting there. But at this stage, it seems to be working really well. And remember, you heard exclusively heard it exclusively first. That's right. Ever. We, we, we broke the story, we didn't we? Sorry, that was quite unique. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering, some people are going to start stacking all their Ironmans um, back to back, like doing potentially four a year. Um, 
to get there really quick. So potentially, you know, you're a legacy athlete, but you may have only been doing the sport for three or four years. Should there be a time frame on the legacy program saying, right, you've got to do 12 Ironmans, but you've also got to have been involved, you know, that, that, that's got to be over, say, a, I don't know, a 10 year period or whatever. So should there be a number of Ironmans uh, that you've had to do and also should there be a time period or not? And so I'm just wondering that if, if someone does go out there and stack for a year, for three years, they get their 12 Ironmans, does that really mean that their legacy, you know, because the legacy for me is rewarding those people that have been going like 10 years or so and um, what? Now the Gordon Ramsay thing comes up. Great. <laughs> um, I, I can't talk about it now, can I? No. Mm. So I've, I've actually got two athletes that I that I coach that are both going to pick up legacy slots this year. And, and they're going to get in? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get in next year or not, but they're, they're both wanting to go. And um, one has been going at it for about six or, six or seven years. Yep. And the other one's been going for over, well over 10, like for probably close to 20, but he's been doing bits and pieces all over the place so just interested to know if people you know if someone's been doing it for three years and slamming them in where do you think that should be approve it is it just you got to show records Uh, um, because I imagine some races probably don't have uh, websites you know some of the old races yeah I'm sure you did Ironman New Zealand back in 86 yeah I'm sure they must have a a system of uh, because that's what you can do you can just go create you know find 12 races I'm sure there'll still be results back there and, and I'd imagine at this stage the numbers are so few that it's not that hard to go and actually look through the results sheet of 1986 at I'm Iron sure Man, someone will try game it but there's always some yeah. idiot out there isn't there it's like yeah. the person who wears the fins and swim yeah um, yeah okay so the discussion is should there be a time frame around the legacy program okay John let's put some music on that rhymed John with the on Each group of the week. week. Okay, John, but we've got an email we're coming through, and I'm just going to put it up right here. And it came through from Clyde Rosanowski. Yep, go with that. He's sitting nice and quietly, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> comes up. And he's going to give me a name here. He's got well, Age Group of the Week nomination. Uh, he's got Owen. It's spelled E O I N. We would have said Eon or something. Oh, we? How, how, come on. <laughs> like, we're no good with names. We've got no chance of that one. And how, last name would say. Reveal. Reveal. I would like to nominate Owen Reveal as for this week's age group of the week after he set a blistering PB of 9.04 at Challenge Wrote in July the 14th this year. This placed him 16th in his age group. Wow, he wrote as fast, isn't it? He gets 16th for that time, of, um, and he was in the age group of 30, 34, and 42nd overall. It should be noted that 16th in the age group includes pros that are at the same age. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Owen is no stranger to IM distance. We're having raced about seven Ironmans, including the Hawaii a few years back, but he's normally in the 9.30 to 40 route, making this PB even more sweeter for him. Owen has, a, has had a stellar year focusing on his running, and some of us thought possibly over-focusing. He recently set a half-marathon PB of 66 minutes. Okay, that's smoking. Uh, that, that must be a typo. Because then, you reckon? well, then he goes on to say that he ran a P, a bloody PB of uh, thirty four fifty seven for a ten for a ten. So I'm thinking that's probably should be seventy six. Yeah, because sixty six, and it was on a hurley race course, and a week out from Rote, he did what every every taper book says he should not do, and went to do a ten k road race the morning before flying to Europe. He ran a bloody PB of thirty four. Yeah, that does say thirty four fifty seven. Yeah, which is a good time, but yeah, yeah, but thirty four does not. You're not going to sixty six. Um, he ran his run form leading into it, it showed him um, 
was a, it was assured. Assured. Um, him a four thirty-seven half Ironman and Ken's a month out. Certainly didn't look like a nine-hour half Ironman performance. Was just around the bend a month later. Guess this shows that a lead up to a race should only be judged as that. It should be noted that Owen has a very different approach to the build-up to the race than the rest of us that trained and travelled to road together from Sydney. He has known as being careful with his cash and didn't pay for any coaching, attempt a single swim squad, <laughs> or spend hours on the net learning to be more aero. Instead, he finally serviced the... Uh, he finally serviced for the first time in four years his old TT bike and borrowed an aero helmet for the day before the race. None of these techniques are John and John's program and would seldom work for many, but I think this relaxed attitude is one of the keys to his success. Owen is a father of one young child with another on the way, so he probably would claim that he doesn't have the time to waste reading about helmets online or servicing his bike. And he sent a photo, a photo through as well. So that's a pretty good effort. So knock a you know, good half an hour off your PB. I mean, right, it's fast course, but it's not half an hour fast. No. Um, I mean, it's half an hour fast in Lanzarote and stuff, but compared to... If you've done seven, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I'd say is a very nice balanced race. He swam an hour, rode 4.55 and ran a 3.03. So that is very even racing. and uh, It really is, isn't it? Yeah. So, and he's just taking the simple approach. Sometimes simple things work. Sometimes taking the pressure off really works. I had a guy um, race at the weekend, Challenge Vici, which was on, and um, he, he did France uh, France earlier in the year and um, had, a, had a bit of a bummer of a race there um, and just took a different attitude into into the race and just sort of just relaxed, just chilled out, just went there to have have some fun and enjoy it and uh, and just smoked. He went 9, 9.26 or something wow. like that. And uh, so, yeah, I think sometimes taking a slightly more chilled out attitude and not being too anal, not yelling at marshals and getting all fired up. And it sounds like Owen's sort of that kind of guy, just takes it takes it as it comes. And it's something to be said about that. Well, I think there's a couple of things we take away from Owen. First of all, to have, have a focus period on one part of the sport. So he really focused on his running for a time mm-hmm. and there's a benefit from that. I think the other thing that's really nice about his situation is He's done seven nine men, and you know the further you get on your career, the harder that PB is because you're looking for smaller gains. Mm. And to, to go away and, and wrote, you know, sure, wrote is a faster course, so you, most people will probably get a PB on a, on a wrote type course. You know, that later on in your career to, to get a really good PB is mm. is pretty great. Very solid, so, especially when he's coming off a four thirty seven and a half. So he basically did exactly the same pace of speed that he did in his half in Ken's um, a month out. Well, even then, he did a faster pace. And he transferred that into uh, into an Ironman. So very nice work. Love your work, Clyde. You are our... No, no, Clyde's... Oh, not su- sorry. Su- Owen. Owen Ravel. You are our age, age group, group of the week. week. Love your work, John. Sponsor. Extreme endurance. Nadine and Peter's stories. Tell me about them, John. First up. First up. Peter McLeod. Oh, um, good old Pete McLeod. Pete McLeod. Uh, <sighs> good Christchurch man coming home. Lived in Australia for a long time, but he's coming back home. Pete McLeod. Is he... Do I know Pete? Uh, I know the name from the show. Have, you may have met him. I'm not quite sure. Can't remember. Anyway, he came on. Um, who's, the, who's the one who always did the fundraising? That's not Pete McLeod. That's Pete. No, that's that Daddy Death. Um, he didn't like his name. Peter Tinhold. Yeah, he didn't like Daddy Death. Mm. Did yeah. So Peter came on Epic Camp Light in Kona, and uh, some photos there. Cool tops. Yeah, and he, he was uh, had a, had a good solid race at the end of the week, and just missed out on a Kona slot. I think oh, by, by really? one or two. I think he was he was. 
third in the age group and I think there was only one spot and I think it, ro- it rolled, Hallamans won in the age group I think, rolled one spot and Peter, Peter missed out. Um, so he went off and then he, then on the camp he was he was quite excited. He got made redundant. <laughs> he was quite excited. <laughs> but he'd been working in the job for like 20 years oh, well, and he okay. got the call on the camp and he was pretty pumped because he was getting a big payout. <laughs> and so now Peter's gone off and he's gone on these. Uh, he, went, he went over to Canada to Whistler like a, a month before the race and had ages of time training over there and getting ready and stuff. So is he working yet? No, no. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's living the dream for quite a period of time, he says. Oh, and, nice. uh, and then went and did um, Whistler and, and he qualified for Kona. And so he's going back to Kona later in the year. But the, and his partner is um, Kerry Newton from Christchurch, who's, yep. uh, who's my accountant and a uh, good triathlete. Bennett was on the triathlon committee for a long time. And I think this, this is the third Ironman she's been to with Peter. And, uh, and he said that she could not believe the difference in him after the race. And the difference was he took extreme endurance. Oh, really? And he said normally after an Ironman, he is a total wreck. Cannot, if it, Peter's... I think he's either 55 to 59 age group. I don't think he's 60, 64, but I thought he was the same age group as Hellman, so he could be. He's one of those age groups. And um, he says he's just a total wreck after the race. You know, one of those guys can't walk, yep. can't move, can't Get do a wheelchair. Anything. He says after this race, and he raced hard and qualified. Next day, he was off walking, going to national parks and stuff, and, and, and over there, he just said he could not believe the difference, and Kerry couldn't believe the difference either. And the other story on here as well is we had our Tri Club Awards dinner on, um, or awards night on, on Saturday oh, night, nice. and Nadine Voice, Flower Power, yeah, another listener, yeah. of the, listener of the show, said, uh, I'm not sure if it was her partner or just a, a mate, picked up an extreme endurance bottle. Was it day. a mate that's a partner? I don't know. <laughs> just, saying. just picked up the extreme endurance. He had a bit to do with supplements in the past, and he said, Looked at the ingredients, said, "That's rubbish. That's bullshit. Nothing in there," and uh, started taking it. And his tune changed. It works, people. We've got lots of endorsements here from um, people saying how much they love it. So check it out: extremeendurance.com. Use the code I am talk. If you're a Kiwi, I've actually just ordered a, a bunch here, and it's just starting to arrive now. If you're a Kiwi and you don't want to order through the states and stuff, um, I've got some extreme endurance in Christchurch. Uh, it actually works out being about the same <coughs> price once I've had to pay GST and all that malarkey. Um, I thought I was going to be able to sell it cheaper in New Zealand, but um, once I get slammed by customs and shipping and all customs that. Customs always does you, doesn't it? <sighs> Do they what? Yeah. Um, so if you need some um, in New Zealand, just get in touch with me, and I've got a bunch that I'll be uh, dishing out over the next month or so. Okay, good times. Extreme endurance, guys. Get on it. Okay, so we've got an interview coming up, and John did this interview. When did you do it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, you are prepared. Mm. Um, with Joe Farrell, and it's... Uh, Brought to you by trainingpeaks.com, and Joe was one of the uh, sort of... He doesn't work something, he's retired now, but he still um, works out. away, yeah. but uh, certainly does one of the coach? founders. Uh, Anymore? He still does, I, I think he's... I think he's doing a lot a of training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when we ever see him, he's blooming out on his bike, isn't yeah. he? So he's just come out with a new book. Somebody sent me a, a, a link. Um, Laurie Shulock sent me through uh, a link saying he's got a new, like a proper triathlon textbook sort of thing. Like, oh, um, really? like all- but I think he might have been like, sort of. The man behind yeah, behind yeah. the guy who wrote it, and I, and I was going to try to get the guy that wrote it on. Um, Textbook has in what just definitions and stuff, like just a big all the physiology, all the nitty gritty. Kind of like a law of running. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, I believe so. Huh. Okay, so. okay, well, check it out. Here's uh, Jeffrey right now from Training Picks. Righty ho, very happy to have back one of our most favourite guests on the show, um, all the way from Training Peaks head office in Boulder, Colorado. It's uh, Joe Frill. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Hi, John. Thanks. 
Yeah, every time we get you on, you always seem to have been coming from uh, some monster training ride. So what have you been up to this morning? Anything gigantic? Actually, I'm kind of recovering. I did a big, big week last week, uh, about 480 miles with 37,000 feet of climbing in the mountains here. Do that yeah. once a year just for fun. And so I've spent the last two days trying to get recovered from it. Nice. I guess I'm going off topic straight away because we're going to focus a bit more on um, sort of middle of the pack athletes and, and a little bit today and, and how they can use training peaks to their advantage in, in terms of setting zones and what have you. But I guess um, for you, as as you get older, I mean, what, what sort of differences are you noticing with your training in terms of you know, power outputs, recovery and things like that? Well, the most uh, obvious um, change has been recovery. Um, certainly when I... Uh, I, I can't handle as many hard workouts in a week as I used to. Yeah. Um, when I do a hard workout, it takes me longer to recover from it. Yeah. Used to be when I, was, I recall when I was in college, I used to do, oh gosh, five hard workouts a week. I was on the track team back then. Yeah. I, I would do five hard workouts a week. We never trained on the weekend back then. This is and I'm talking 19, early 1960s. Gives you some <laughs> idea of how old I am. Yeah. But back then, nobody trained on the weekends. That's just the way it was. Um, so you know. I do five hard workouts and have the weekend off. And next week and next week I do five hard workouts and have the weekend off. And I was fine every time, no problems. Yeah. Now, um, at this altitude in Boulder, I'm doing good to get in two hard workouts a week. When I get down in altitude, back down to uh, Arizona, where I spend my winters, I can get in pretty good three workouts a week, even occasionally a fourth workout, depending on how, how intense they are. Yeah. So that certainly has been the biggest change. I, I just don't recover as fast. And, and all the older athletes I talk with tell me exactly the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, and, and of course, with that, um, uh, my actually, my, my powers remain much the same, but I've only got about, about 10 years of power data to look at. Mm. And uh, so I don't have power data back when I was in my 30s and 40s, for example. So I'm looking at data from my 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. It, it really has not changed. It stayed, it stayed the same the last 10 years, 10 plus years, actually. So the biggest thing has just been recovery. And do you still compete or are you just, you just train for the love of training? Well, I love to train, no question about that. Uh, but I do compete. My problem is I don't get to compete very often. Uh, because in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I spend my winters, the racing season pretty much um, is at the wrong time for me when I because I'm getting ready to come to, to Boulder, and that's when, the, when it's they're starting to race. Yeah, yeah. When I get up here, the race season is just coming to an end about a month later. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they don't go very long in Boulder, but by the end of June, it's done. Yeah. Consequently, I've only had a month to adapt, so I'm really not ready until July. And so I've, I've done some races here in June when I just arrived, and I get my butt handed to me every time I do that. So it's no fun to uh, try to race at this altitude. So, uh, so I'm just doing – I find – you know, like I did a Grand Fondo when I first got here about two weeks – two months after I got here, rather. Cool. And that was okay. So I don't race very often. It's mostly just the love of training. Good. Okay. Um 
often when we get people on the show at, um, and, and people are talking about power, they're, they're often either very good age groupers or, or pro athletes. And so what I was keen to focus on today is a bit more for the, the middle to the back of the packer who you know might not have a, a stellar fast bike ride in terms of actual speed, but um, you know, trying to help them out a little bit in terms of setting their zones and, and, and rather than just trying to work off the percentages that elites might use. So I guess that's my first question is, you know, if, if people are a middle to the back of the pack athlete, you know, how do they go about setting um, their zones and how, how might that differ in terms of maybe percentages of FTP or, 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 or however they go about setting their zones for, for Ironman racing? Well, I think the zones will be set up the same way. I don't, that's not going to change. Still, we're still talking about FTP as the basis for all, all the zones. The only thing that really changes is what percentage of FTP do they do the do they race at when they do an Ironman, and um, uh, uh, that number is certainly going to be somewhat smaller than what an elite or pro athlete would do. Mm. Uh, the winner of an Ironman race is doing about typically eighty percent of FTP. That's going to put them in somewhere around 420 to 430 is typically where that puts them in, depending on the course and the wind and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and so that's the high end. Uh, everybody else is going to be below that in the race. The longer you're out there, the lower the percentage of FTP that you can maintain. So we're getting down to the range of 50 to probably 65% for middle or back of the pack uh, triathletes, age groupers. And... Um, so whatever you just work off of that. So let's say somebody's FTP is uh, 240 watts. Uh, that means they're probably going to be between 150 and uh, gosh, give myself a hard number to work with. Whatever, sixty <laughs> percent of 240 is be 48. It'd be about 192. Yeah. So up to about 192 for that person, the 240. So basically, 50 to 60 percent is where that group is going to find themselves. And that means a, a ride which is going to be six thirty or slower. Yeah, and, and and the perceived effort for guys at that sort of intensity is going to be relatively low, isn't it? Yeah, the perceived exertion will be low, but the duration is so long mm. that the, it still wears on you, and you're still you're just as tired coming off the bike from that intensity as you would be had you been able to go faster. No doubt about. It. I mean, I um, <clears throat> I did a ride the other day that was about two hundred and fifty k's, and I think I was out there for for close on nine hours. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm glad I'm not on the bike for this long in an yeah. Ironman race. It's a long time to be on the bike. It is. Um, so I, I guess around um, setting zones, you know, if we, we've probably been over this a bit before, but I think it's often something we we this need to be reiterated. Some people get really carried away with the you know doing twenty minute tests or, or ten miles, sixteen k FTP tests, and then really go about setting their zones based off off those tests and in isolation. So I guess have, have you got a bit of a a, a a strategy in terms of trying to help people in, in ascertaining what is their what is their FTP and, and, and means where they can they can work that out and and how that also might impact on their um their what number they come up with for their uh, for their Ironman power. Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah, that is a challenge. Uh, what what I have learned over many years of using power meters now is that you're all you're never going to get. A, a, an exact number. You're never going to nail it down to the number which is going to be, remain the same for some period of time. 
it, it's a daily fluctuating number we're talking about. So it's not like there is a number that every athlete's trying to find. Fatigue, for example, will change your FTP. I, I've got a pretty good idea of what my FTP is. But last week when I was doing 800 kilometers in the mountains in Colorado, uh, quite honestly, um, my FTP was pretty darn low because I was so darn tired by the end of the week. Mm. So it changes on a daily basis. So I, what I believe in doing is you're, 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 you're looking for data that gives you an idea of what your FTP range is as opposed to exactly what that number is. So we're always trying to gather data. It comes from many, many different places. One of the most, one of the best places to get it, the best place to get it would be to go out and do a, a time trial, a, a bike time trial uh, in a race. You know, mm -hmm. if there was a 40K or 30K time trial in your community, uh, do that. If you could have had a one-hour race, for example, your FTP, your your average power for that one hour would be about your FTP. Very good indicator. But again, that would be just for that day, and that's one data point. It's not it's not the FTP. It's one data point. You can look at your workouts. Um, how are the workouts going when you're feeling like you're working at your threshold? In other words, on a scale of zero to ten, you feel like you're a seven effort right now, steady state. What's that number right now on your handlebars? That's going to be another data point that's close to your FTP. You can do a 30-minute test or a 20-minute test and uh, take your average power from that. And that also gives you an idea of your FTP. Uh, if you use a 20-minute test, what I found is you take 95% of it, and that predicts FTP again. Uh, but I've also found that if you do 30 minutes by yourself, all by yourself, 30 minutes hard, time trial, that by itself, not taking any changes on it, no subtracting anything, just take it as it is, is also a predictor of FTP. Mm. So there, there are many ways of doing it. You can even use your body weight uh, mm. to predict your FTP. It's amazing how good that is as far as a ballpark figure. Uh, and it, It's kind of a weird thing, but if you convert your body weight from kilograms to pounds, which means you, you divide by 2.2, by I'm sorry, multiply by 2.2, uh, your kg, you'll come up with your weight in pounds. If you double that, if you have a pretty good indication if you're a male, 35 years of age or younger, of what your FTP could be. It's kind of like a, a goal number for you. And if you're uh, older than 35, you subtract a half a percentage point for every year beyond age 35. If you're female, you subtract 10% from that number. And then there's lots of all, all these other things you go into, too, like altitude and so forth. But basically, once you do that, you get a pretty good notion of what your FTP could be. And that's, again, just another data point. So what every athlete who's a power meter should be doing is gathering data points that predict FTPs and trying to see what the cluster looks like. What, where is the cluster? Is it around a given number? If so, use that number. It doesn't mean it's exactly that every day, but that's, that's a pretty good indication on average of where you'll be. Because that, that, that's formula you were just going through there. Is that what's in your your new book that you've come out with? Um, because I've had a, a number of people that have said they've used that formula out of your book um, that I think was working off your age, your weight, and I think number of years experience. And and that number that number that came out seemed to be remarkably close to what they actually thought their FTP was based off time trial tests. Yeah, it's uh, it's in my book, um, and it's and it's. Um, it's kind of remarkable how much of a ballpark it gives you. It doesn't mean that's really what it is or that you can never be higher than that. It's just kind of like a, a rough indicator of where you could be. Mm. 
And uh, I used, I've used it with people when I'm talking to them. They don't know what their FTP is. It's kind of like a way of coming up with a number. And hmm. You can ask them, what does this number sound like to you? And it's remarkable how many times they say, yeah, that's about what it feels like when I'm riding really hard you know, for a long, steady state. Well, what about when it comes to racing? Um, because if you're in a, in a really nice tapered state and you, um, you know, a lot of guys comment to me that they, on race day, um, that, that they feel that their the FT, well, they feel that their, their zones are almost elevated by about, say, 10, maybe 15 watts because they're really nicely tapered. So so let's say, for example, you know, you might predict your, your FTP is... 300 watts or whatever the number might be and, and you train to those zones but then on race day you, you know when you're tapered your that you, your FTP might move quite a bit when you're fully rested what does that mean for your training when have you been training too easy say for example you've been training to an FTP of 300 but then it might be on race day it might be closer to, to 310 is what you're able to sustain so should you train to the the I, I don't know, I guess your training zones and do you have racing zones? How, how do you sort of differentiate around um, around tapering and how that might give you a lift in your numbers? Yeah, that's a good point. I, that's an interesting thought. And uh, uh, I, I would agree that when you're arrested, uh, really on form that uh, your FTP is going to be higher than when you're in a hard training week. No mm-hmm. question about that. Um, however, you have to also realize that the race is going to last, let's say, five hours, five and a half hours, six hours, six and a half hours. Mm. What's going to happen over the course of the race is basically your FTP is going to drop as the race mm. goes on for the very same reason, fatigue. Mm. And so uh, I, I would rather be on the conservative side for an athlete, setting their, coming up with an FTP number, rather than take the highest possible number and using that as what the number is going to be. Because during the race, we know that it's just going to be the other side of the coin. You're just going to begin, you're essentially going to see your FTP um, erode as the race progresses. Mm. And it's always the old adage, if you uh, if you bike too easy, chances are you'll be able to make it up on the run. Um, I, I guess um, another question we get quite a bit is, is for the bigger athletes and um, whether this whether they're slower or, or not, maybe they're just bigger athletes, and around how they should, um, you know, Put their effort out when they're on the hills because obviously when they, they're going up, the bigger athletes are going up hills. Their power is going to be going to be shooting up quite a bit. So, I mean, um, what's your advice for bigger athletes around hills in terms of the effort they should be putting in? Because a lot of them, if they actually really try to keep their power down, they're almost falling off their bikes because they're going so slowly. So, what advice do you have for the bigger athletes in terms of power outputs when they're climbing? Sure, good point. There's a couple of things here to think about, John. One is, one is first of all, they've got an advantage on flats and downhills. Uh, so that's where they can really shine compared with a smaller athlete. Uh, but they do have quite a uh, disadvantage on, on uh, uphills. Now, I use a, a rule that comes from a friend of mine by the name of Alan Cousins. Mm. Uh, Alan is an Aussie exercise physiologist, lives here in Boulder, by the way. And uh, he came with this thing called the 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 rule, uh, which basically says that when the course is really uh, hard uh, or really, really, let's put it this way, really slow, like, for example, you're going uphill, in other words, 10 kilometers per hour, when you experience that, you should work hard, which means you should use a higher zone than you were using uh, when you were on the flats. For most middle-of-the-pack triathletes doing an Ironman, um, 
the zone they're going to be using on the flats is, is zone two. It's going to be somewhere in zone two for most all of them. And so that means if we're going to work a little bit harder than zone two when we're going uphill, uh, how much harder can we work or should we work? And what I tell athletes is they can go up by two zones regardless of the distance of race they're doing. So if you're racing in zone two, you can add two zones on that, which means you go to zone four. And that's, that means you're going to stay below your threshold. You're not going to go anaerobic. You're not going to go into deep labored breathing. Uh, same for every athlete. It's not going to be different for a bigger athlete versus a smaller athlete. It's still sub-anaerobic. And it probably means they're going to be somewhere around probably, let's say, 3 to 3.5 watts per kilogram on the hill would be kind of like a ballpark number for, mm-hmm. for most people. So if they do a little math, they can kind of come for that number. But if they just think in terms of their zone 2 and add, add two zones onto that just from their FT, you know, percentage of FTP, that kind of gives them an idea of what they can do on the uphill and they should not try to go anaerobic. They should stay with that level. Having said that, um, if the athlete is, um, is on a very long climb, a uh, really long climb, uh, they may even go uh, short or lower than that, may go to zone three, one zone higher. Reason being is the fatigue is going to set in over the course of a, of a long um, climb, extremely long climb. And so what they need to figure out then is in training, uh, given a hill like they're going to do in the race, at what zone should they be in, and uh, can they sustain uh, a reasonable intensity for that amount of time and still be able to go down the other side and recover? Now, the other side of Allen's 50-40-30-20-10 rule is when the course is fast, you go easy. So now you've come over the top of the hill, and now you're going down the hill. This is the big athlete's advantage. This is uh, his or her area of expertise. This is what they can really excel at. So now what um, we would do is set that's 50 kilometers per hour is just get arrow. Don't pedal. Just get arrow. Get as small as you can possibly get and get as much speed as you can possibly get at the same time so that your heart rate comes way back down because it's zero watts you're putting out. And that's going to mean um, good recovery, you're ready for to get back on the flats again, back into zone two or back to the next hill at zone four or whatever it may be. So it's a 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 rule. 50 kilometers per hour when you're going downhill means don't pedal. Mm. 10 kilometers when you're go- per hour going uphill means yes, pedal hard and hard means two zones higher than what you were racing on the flats. And then of course everything in between. So if you're doing 20 kilometers per hour, that's, that's, again, quite slow. So you're going to work now maybe in zone three mm-hmm. so instead of zone two. If you're doing 30 kilometers per hour, that's roughly race intensity, rough race speed. Mm-hmm. So now we're back to zone two. If you start to go down a, uh, a small grade, now you're going 40 kilometers per hour. You just back off on the, on the intensity a little bit. You go to zone one. And if you get to 50 kilometers per hour, you simply coast. So mm-hmm. it kind of gives you a, a – using speed, you can kind of figure out how hard you should be working. Good practical advice. Um, what, what about with the, the hill climbing? Because um, I guess going back to a training perspective and, and figuring out FTP on the flat and the hills. Now, obviously, again, if we go back to the, you know, say a, a 20 minute or 30 minute test, if we do that on the flat versus an uphill test, 
uh, we almost always, um, well not always, but very often see a higher number on the uphill test. Uh, I'd be interested to know if you've done much testing in regards to the in doing an actual one hour test on the flat versus a one hour uphill test and whether you see a lot of difference in that number for an average, uh, average sized athlete. Yeah, that's a very good point. You're asking some good questions. That, that's the sort of thing that uh, uh, makes coaches pull their hair out because, again, uh, FTP is not nailed down to a given number that works all the time. And not only does fatigue affect it, but also if you're going uphill or flat, that affects it. Um, some athletes more than others. Some athletes get a really good, really high FTP going uphill, much higher than they get when they do it on the flats. Others see no difference uh, at all. So, but we know we're probably going to have courses that are not always going to be perfectly flat. There are going to be some uphills and some flat sections. So, um, what I like to do, quite honestly, is I like to find a, a course to test on that has about a two, three percent grade, steady as we can make it. Uh, Boulder's perfect for that. There's one right here where I live in, in Arizona. There's one like that there also, and. Uh, and gosh, uh, you know, I'm test on that. That kind of gives me a, a ballpark which is between the two. It's not quite a, a climb, but it's not quite flat either. So it kind of gives me an average number in the middle between the two extremes. Mm. And so that's what I like to use if that type of course isn't available. You only have, you know, six, seven percent grades available. Then by gosh, you just have to do that and, and work off of that number and realize you can probably go a little bit harder than that when you're on the flats. Mm. And the other way around, if you only have flat courses, no hills at all to work with, you have to realize that your FTP is probably going to be slightly higher when you're on a climb. Mm. So again, there's not just one number. It's a, it's a, it's a moving target is what it is. And I guess just to throw you know a further spanner in the works, I mean, I'm interested to know whether you've done or, or what the stats tell us about doing work on the trainers because um, you know say when we're on the, the indoor trainer on the, the compu trainer or whatever um, you might be riding on, you know typically we see athletes putting out you know maybe 10 to 15 watts lower than what they do when they're out on the road. Yet their perceived effort and their heart rate is telling them they're they're in the, the, the in, in, a, in a higher zone, but their power is about is about 10 to 15 watts lower is, is again is that is that something that you see happen quite a lot yeah, you like to ask tough questions right? <laughs> <laughs> gotta make it gotta, gotta, gotta keep it different <laughs> yeah th this is one of those things that I, I get this email from athletes all winter long asking you know what should I do it's you know days are too short to get outside when I come from work and it snows or rains in the weekend and I need to do an FTP test you know uh, I, what do I do and you know how how should I calibrate that relative to what being on the road would be, and I really don't know because I, I talk to people who tell me everything across and I've, around the entire gamut of possibilities, and I've been talking to them now for, on this very same subject for a long, long time, uh, years and decades even. Yeah. I get some people that tell me they get better numbers indoors than they do outside, and I get some people tell me they get worse numbers inside than they get outdoors. And some say there's no difference. So yeah. I really can't have a rule for it because it just seems like it's all over the place. Personally, uh, I hate to ride indoors. I have absolutely no doubt that I'm going to get a low number riding indoors. That's why I spend my winters in Arizona where it's always warm and my summers in Colorado where it's never really hot like it is in Arizona. So I can have that moderate temperature year-round and I can always go on the road. Yeah. Um, so I kind of cherry-pick that just so I, don't, I can avoid being on a trainer so I really can't tell you. It's just, uh, 
you know, I guess the same thing. If you just, just experience, if you find that you can't get outside to do an FTP test, you know your power's typically 10 watts less indoors, and you want to do an indoor test, well, you've got a pretty good ballpark to work from. Do the test indoors and add 10 or whatever. See, I'm, I'm saving you replying to emails here, Joe. You know, you just if anybody pops you the question, you just say go listen to that interview, and you get all your answers, all your answers there in one go. You can just have have your email on auto reply almost over winter. Um, I, <laughs> I guess, I guess that there's a sort of fi- one of the the final areas um, I want to touch on is, is the variability index for the, for the bigger athletes, and I guess maybe how that score. Um, is affected by maybe that 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 10 rule and, and what sort of numbers athletes should be wary of because we know if it's a flat course, you know, say they're racing an Ironman, their variability index score should be pretty close to one. Um, but for, for, for the, the slightly tougher courses, you know, like the like Lake Placid and maybe Boulder and, um, and maybe Nice and things like that, for the bigger athletes, should they be too concerned about what their variability index um, score score should be and is there any sort of recommended ranges for the, the the sort of moderate type Ironman courses yeah there's uh, there are two things that every Ironman athlete needs to be paid particular attention to and this is where a power meter really shines almost like cheating to have one one we've already talked about which is how intense are you going to ride what percentage of FTP that's number one and number two is what's your variability how often do you surge and then decelerate, you know, and keep doing that over and over and over throughout a race. Uh, I don't care what the course is like. If the athlete does it right, in other words, stays as steady as they can, even though they're going two zones higher on a hill, their, their variability index will still be below 1.06. Uh, I've seen it many, many, many times. I know it can be done. I have athletes tell me, no, that's impossible. They can't do it. But it's only because they surge too much on the hills. They don't go up just two zones. They go up three or four, or even you know, all the way to the pot top, mm. and then come back down a few seconds later, and then and surge again, and then come back down and surge again. If they just ride, if you just ride up the hill steady, two zones higher than what you were doing on the flats, which means for most people zone four. If they do that, uh, they'll still have a 1.05 or less VI by the time they're done with the race. Mm. Definitely. So, guys, in terms of um, assessing all this stuff, it's you know this is where Training Peaks really comes into its own. If you've got a power meter, you've got a Garmin or whatever you're you're capturing your data, it's incredibly easy just to upload it to, to Training Peaks and actually just go and go in there and actually start looking through your files. And if you go on the the um, the paid version, you can really start to break it down in terms of selecting different parts of the of the ride. So, if it's a hilly course, you can select a particular hill and you can actually see. What, what is going on there so I, I guess um, yeah any sort of training peaks news um, from you Joe or any advice around the topics we've sort of been discussing and, and how people can really track these things using training peaks and, and use it to you know the, you know just get the most out of the, the training peaks website yeah this re- this is it's a remarkable tool it's something that uh, you know we came up with back in 99 and I, I could have never imagined it would be doing the things we're doing right now. With, with the training, things we've been talking about this morning, nobody even thought about back, you know, when we started in 1999. And uh, uh, fortunately, uh, Training Peaks has been on the leading edge of this. We've been the one really promoting the concepts and the ideas. And we're always working on it. There's a, we've got a staff here working daily on trying to come up with all the stuff we know is going to make us 
make for better software and better analysis tools for athletes. So it's kind of an ongoing project for us. It's a, it's a love affair we have with um, preparing athletes to, to race at their, their potential or race to their potential. So uh, just kind of keep following along because uh, mm. it's stuff that's going on constantly with us. And, and what about your book? I know your book's been out for a little, little while now, but give, the, give that a quick plug. Yeah, my most recent book is called Power Meter Handbook. Um, uh, what I saw on the market was there was another book on the market, Turning Racing with a Power Meter by Coggin and Allen. Great book, uh, very good book. Every athlete who has a power meter should have owned that book. The problem is it's, it's, um, it's more of a reference book than it is something to sit down and read. It's, it's, uh, it's got a lot of information. It's got everything you need there in one place. But I wanted to write a book that was kind of got people ready for that book. So I wrote a book which is kind of like an introduction to using a power meter. It's much smaller. Mm-hmm. It's only maybe, I don't know, two-thirds the size of, of their book and just kind of gets the basic stuff covered. So you can learn a lot from it. And it gets you started using your power meter for the first year or two. And then after that, you're ready to move on to uh, more advanced stuff. Mm, awesome. Um, so, guys, check, check out trainingpeaks.com. If you use the promo code IMTALK, you get a discount on the subscription there. And, um, Joe, anything else on the uh, the horizon for you? You got any anything planned for the rest of the – I know your, your season is starting to come towards the end. Um, anything else on the, the agenda for yourself? Nope, I'm uh, just getting to wind down. We go back to Arizona next uh, in the next week uh, for ten days, and then we go to Italy, my wife and I, for nice. two months. We're gonna live in uh, in Luca, Italy, train there, go to the cycling world championships, and just explore on our bikes everything in Tuscany. Very nice. Sounds awesome. Oh, Joe, thanks as always for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, check it all out at trainingpicks.com, guys. So obviously, John, I haven't listened to the interview yet. Your thoughts? It was good. Uh, he had a really uh, one of the things that I thought worked out really well. He had a nice that you will have just heard about. Yeah. Is this nice, simple sort of some. He goes, he gets, tries to make power nice and simple, and it, power is very, very complicated. Yep. But it can be very, very simple as well. And he just had, I really liked his little tip there, where he had a sort of a forty, a, a fifty, forty, thirty. 10 sort of rule in terms of where you move your power output in the zones depending on what speed you're going so I thought it was just some nice simple tips for for age group athletes um, to, to hone in on so so I hope you enjoyed that and um, Joe's part of trainingpeaks.com and if, you, if you've got a power meter or you use GPS or anything it is a no brainer um, to get yourself on Training Peaks if you do sign up make sure you go through imtalk.me so they can sort of see the tracking and if you're going for their paid version make sure or you use the code IMTALK and you get a discount off your subscription. It's only like 10 bucks a month or something like that, so it's it's very affordable. But um, the more I use it, the more I love Training Peaks in terms of actually helping educate athletes as, as to what they're doing. You know, often in the past from coaches, you know, you can just tell athletes, blah, 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 but then you can actually use a visual cue and you can go in and say, right, you have a look at this section of the of the training session. You can highlight it, and it can give you all the stats for that particular part of the workout if they're doing a race. And you can see, right, well, you started off. You can highlight, say, the first half hour of a race, and say, right, great, you're sitting there at um, 200 watts. But then let's have a look at the last half hour of the ride, and um, and then you know you, you, your heart rate was the same, but you dropped down to 165 watts, and your speed had dropped off. You can do all this sort of stuff like that. So it's an awesome tool. So get on it, trainingpeaks.com. Thank you guys let's put some music on and then we're going to do oh well we're going to put music on first you'll get some music mm.
website of the week. Did you like that music? Yeah. What was that called? A Russian? They do the legs, don't they? Yeah. I was just in the legs then, wasn't I? Looking good. Looking sharp in the morning. Okay, this one was sent through from the good vegan, Garen Vegan. I'm not sure I approve of this website. I put it on there, but I'm not sure if I really approve of it. Okay. Oh, okay. This is this one. Okay, so if you're on Strava, Nestrava, I don't actually have you used Strava. No. It's very popular. I mean, I, I know I know what it is, but I haven't. I don't use it. You should do because you probably dominate around the city. Yeah, I'm not that fast. You'd probably take it out. Did Michael Vink get done for drugs? That's a bit of a harsh accusation to make. No, no, but did he? No. Oh, okay. I heard, I, I heard through the grapevine that he did, but not that I know. Okay. That's a pretty big call. Just ignore what Bevan just no, said. No, no. Well, I didn't say. I didn't say he did. I asked. Yeah, yeah. I just heard through the grapevine that there was maybe the case, but maybe I was wrong. Anyway, um, don't ever believe the bloody grapevine. Oh well, no. Just someone mentioned it the other day, and I was like, really? Did he? And I, I knew anything of it, and so I thought maybe you'd know. Um, anywho. Strava, so you know, Strava is basically it's a training tool, and it basically what it does is it records rides, and then if other people do the ride, you kind of have these competitions in local mm. regions, and I've never really it's used a dick it. measuring competition. It really is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm stronger than you, <laughs> but hey, when you either win it, it does feel cool. Yeah. So anyway, he's it, basically got a, it's got why not inject a little pace into your ride with. Uh, digital digitalepo.com and uh, yes upload your Garmin file and then decide how much of a boost you need then push it straight into Strava and talk of, be the talk of the town so, so the idea is with, with Strava basically cheat. Well, yeah, so with Strava you can't really cheat because you have to upload a file that you have actually done yep. um, but this way it is actually possible to cheat so you can actually upload your file to this website and you can say right I want to have an improvement of this amount and I want to manipulate that file so then you can upload that file to Strava and you can you can crush everybody so again we, we joke but people will actually do this a few people will and they, oh, won't, they won't do I it for the, for the joke like I can understand yeah let's have a bit of a joke here and do it but some people actually do it for, for legit and they'll say yeah no, no I, really, I really did do that yeah there's plenty of cheats out there John there's people always trying to cheat the system yeah so it's proudly brought to you by the California Bicycle <laughs> Coalition. funny. <laughs> Let's give it a little click. So mm. They're going, oh, that was a great, great sponsorship. Mm. There you go. It's a, what is it? Is it a bike shop? Yeah, it's, a, it's a coalition of, of cyclists. I don't even look at it. They, they promote cheating. Promote cheating. Damn you Americans, you all cheats. I'll put you on the same same, uh, same, same group big, as... That's a big statement to make. Same group as the Spanish. Spanish and Americans now, you're now in my group together as Oh, really? What, why the Spanish all cheats? Oh, the Spanish always cheats. <laughs> Never trust Spanish. <laughs> love you, Spanish I listeners. Spain. I love Spain. I love Spain too. Yeah, but you just think they're all cheats. Yeah. I don't. I think everyone in the world is just honest to just struggle with life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have to use easier options. Right, hey. Digital EPO. If guys, if you want to cheat, if you want to be the best in your region, yes. and the good thing about it is you can put a percentage up so you can look who's the best, mm. put the, put your file and just up it by about 5%, mm-hmm. 5%, yeah, suddenly you're the best. And people go, wow, that, that, that Newsom, he really is looking. He's going to win that Kona. Taking it down. Taking it down. He's gonna be number one. I wanna go get my gold I wanna go get my gold medal. What gold medal? Well this leads on nicely to questions. Questions and answers. So <laughs> WTC have um brought out this age group ranking. So John, had, can I can I be honest? Yeah. I think it's a waste of time. I don't think it's done anything to add to the sport. Yeah, so Michael um Parrott sent through and we've have talked about a little bit about this in the past, but they brought through the Ironman ranking system. And but what the one thing that I did find interesting here, so uh, is they're actually going to be giving out a gold, silver, and bronze medal based on if you are within a percentage of your your age group. So if you're in the top one percent of the age group, and I guess this is one percent of 
all age groupers. Oh, so this do, is cool. Yeah, so this is sort of rewarding if you're in the top percentile. So you get a gold medal if you're in the top 1% of your age group. You get a silver if you're in the top 5%, and you get a bronze if you're in the top 10%. And I think this is on their overall rankings. So like, if you go to a race, yeah, there might be maybe 100 people in your age group at a big, in a big age group in a race. So if you're top 1%, you're basically winning. So it's like, well, but, but how many races? But, but this it? combines... I think this will combine all Ironman. So you think how many people are in that Ironman pool? Say, for example, in 35 to 39 age group, there might Thousands. be a thousand. So then, if you're in the top one percent, then it's then it, you know then you might be in the top ten or so. Um, so then, but the thing is, how do they determine? Like, let's say I, I do Ironman New Zealand in my age group, which, mm-hmm. which I have done, mm-hmm. and uh, and you go and do ten races and win your age group. So again, it, it's a bit like the KPR. You're only allowed to have um, three races that, that count. Okay. Um, but the downfall of the system is. But is it based on placing or speed? Oh, you're asking me questions I don't know now. Um, I think it was a little bit of a combination of the two, but it doesn't seem to weight races, and that's the advantage of the KPR. That's essentially got a, a yeah. weighting system built in there. <clears> so that's going to be the downfall of the system. I think it, it doesn't look like it's going to weight, say, a Kona performance more than, say, an Ironman Cozumel performance. Yep. So it's – yeah, I don't think it's going to work. And when I went on to the um, – <clears throat> when I went on to the site and had a bit of a look at, say, in my age group, where people were ranked, it really didn't. Uh, didn't oh, so really can stack you look up. at that? Can you? Yeah. So you see that link there that I've got just just below there, because because Michael asked, would John make the podium? And I thought, oh, I wonder if I would make the podium. Yeah, and you should that. never judge these ranking systems too much until the whole season has finished. But is it finished, or is it the end of the year? Well, I'm picking it'll be after Kona. I would, okay. I would assume. So, yeah. So it's sort of middle of the season, so you think, well. You, know, you can't judge these things too much, but when I oh, looked at we're 30- close to the end, yeah, I looked at thirty-five to thirty-nine age group, and uh, and I'm not trying to take anything away from the guys that are there because great, you know, they're going out there and racing, and they might be doing PBs and what have you, but the guys that are in there aren't as quick as they should be for thirty-five, the best thirty-five to thirty-nine age group. So the guy that's leading at the moment, Dupuis Vincent from France, he's got a, an overall. I don't know what the overall time means, but he's well, got twenty-eight. So he's done three Ironmen, obviously, hmm. and he's done twenty-eight and a half hours. So if you divide that by three, hmm. that'd be about nine and a half. Yeah. So um, oh, this, this is the Ironman. They've got an Ironman only ranking, and they've got a seventy-point-three only ranking, and then they've got a combined. Jeez, they're making it pretty complicated. Ranking, ranting. So I'm just going to pull up my age group and give you some. Uh, give you some. So thirty-five to thirty-nine. Thirty-five to thirty-nine. Yeah. So. Julie Shelley is leading the female 35 to 39. She's from uh, Hong Kong. And she was on our camp last year. Oh, well, well done, Julie. So this Vincent, is the best thing ever. Yeah, Vincent is leading the 35 to 39. And not a bad athlete. 9.56 in Lanzarote. It's a slow course, but 9.56. In the European champs, 9.25. And then he's done Copenhagen in 9.12. So they're not bad times, but... Yeah, there's, there's plenty of guys who are A lot of guys are a lot, lot quicker than that. So is it just that he's done three Ironmen? Mm. And three not bad races. Yeah. So, but if you were to do three Ironmen in the next 12 months... If I went and did Copenhagen and I had a good race, based on the times that I saw there, I'd be very disappointed if I didn't go 8.45 or quicker. Yeah. And something, and, and I don't consider myself to be the best in the world yeah. in our age group. So if we have a look at second place, Costa Sergio. Uh, he's averaging about... He did Los Cabos. He only did ten thirteen, yeah. and then uh, Austria did nine thirty five. And Austria is a very fast course. And Canada, he did ten thirty. So, yeah, again, not taking anything away yeah, from this these guy. Poor guys are doing. He, he, he might be having a. But uh, they may not even be aware of it, John. Oh, totally. 
You yeah. know, like, you're like, who checks this? Mm. So I like the idea of the system where they're going to award top percentages. Excellence. Yeah. Their excellence. The system needs some tweaking, I think. Uh, well, and, and you know what? Like, I don't want to give them too much of a hard time because they're trying new stuff. Mm. And, and good on them for trying new stuff. And um, and it's the first year of doing it. So there'll be some tweaking, that, like the KPRs, things mm. are getting tweaked as, as it evolves. And, you know, who knows, eventually, maybe five years from now, this might be something that we really do pay attention to. But um, at this stage, I just don't know sure what it's really adding to, uh, like, like our conversation. You know, we don't really ever go to this. We don't really ever see, mm. you know, maybe once a year we'll have this. I, like you say, I kind of like the idea of 1%. You know, mm. if, if I were to get a letter in the mail saying, hey, by the way, you're in the top 1% of all I'm in in the world mm. for your age group, I'd be pretty pretty stoked with that. Mm. Um, and as you say, this here is probably not really capturing the best and it's obviously not a motivator. Like, mm. you're not you're going to look at next year and go, I want to win that, are mm. you? No. Doesn't, no. doesn't, doesn't do a lot for me. No. But are you going to do – you potentially could win it. I, I think I'll probably do reasonably well because I'll have New Zealand – I'll have three results. I'll have New Zealand, I'll have Auckland 70.3 and Kona. Yeah, So as long as you race well. Yeah, I always yeah. race well. It's a no-brainer. No although, brainer. although you've got a lot to blame if I don't race well. It's my fault now. Yeah. because It's already bringing up the excuses. Didn't, didn't get to go swimming this morning because Bevan has to flip and well, work. Well, I've got to feed work, my family. If you put that 50 down at the casino and just let it roll, you yeah. wouldn't have to work. Yeah, well, when we went there, John, and the reason I didn't because we were going to go black, no mm. lies, it had been 10 black in a row. Yeah, and then it was black. 11. I think it was actually. <laughs> 10 black in a row. Imagine if you, if you put 50 bucks down mm. times... If you just left it sitting there. Yeah. What do you reckon that can... Well, let me do the math. So you go... You go, you go 50, you go 100, then you go 200, then you go 400, then you go 800, then you go 1,600, because compounding forty mm. grand, wow! Mm. If only I'd done that, John. You know, then you could have had a great race. Yeah, oh, it's my fault. Yeah, it's my fault next year. John Livesey wanted to give um, guys at WTC a bit of love. He was saying that he went and uh, no, this is great. He's got to be involved with um, Ironman UK, and the organisers worked with the Sport Development Trust at the local council and did a Tri Kids event. The eventually fee was only four pounds, which is great. great. Yeah. As a result, they had two thousand kids. Oh, cool! Um, That's an event. And just had a superb day of it. He said his six-year-old son took part in the 500-meter run. On the start line, he had his game face on and set off strongly. Unfortunately, he hasn't yet figured out that he can't sprint the whole race and blow up at the 100-meter mark. Mm. Um, 100-meter? Yeah. <laughs> nice. only a quick, a well, that's about how far you should be able to sprint. <laughs> yeah. So um, John's saying he knows we don't have often have time to talk about things like Iron Kids and uh, – but he thought it was well worth the mention, and well, well done to the Ironman UK organisers yeah, and the great. Bolton Council for getting such a special day involved. So I think that's one thing. Sometimes we put the boot in WTC, but they do a lot of these um, cool things and getting kids active. It's, it's a different story if they're charging kids, you know, hundred bucks to do a little race, then that's slightly oh, different. But that never happens. Uh, there ever, no, there's no hundred dollar kids races. Not, not in WTC, but like with um, the Wheat Bix race in, in, in New Zealand, they, they, it's it's getting a bit pricey. Is it really? Changing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's up there. What? Not a hundred bucks. Uh, I think when you package everything up and get the photos and oh, yeah. get, <laughs> you don't let your kids. It's, all, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. John, huh? John Charlie sent through an interview, uh, an email. He said, um, "A thought stuck me as I was battling into a headwind during a training session a couple of weeks ago." <clears throat> he said, "Blimey, this sucks. At least during a race, it's the same for everyone, and it won't affect my time compared to the fast guys." 
But it's not true. This is the same guy that gave us a little swimming example a few weeks ago. He loves to geek out. Not only do you go faster if you're fitter, but you get exponentially faster than the slower riders on a tough race. E.g. the tougher the race, the better the results compared to the less fit. Let's consider a 20k course. It's 10k out, 10k back. It's flat. Uh, the rider's weight is 70kg, the bike is 9kg and the rider stays in the hoods the whole way. I called up um, bicyclecalculator.com, a a well-respectable cycle speed calculator and considered three riders in two conditions. Each rider, let's call them Brad, Jason and Alex. I love how he's given them names. Mm -hmm. He's got personal with it. Uh, Ride at about 70% of their maximum output they can sustain over an hour, commonly called FTP. As a result, pro cyclist Brad rides 300 watts, club cyclist Jason rides 200 watts and unfit back of the packer Alex rides 100 watts. Again, I love how he's putting the context of this. On a perfect calm day, here are the course times. Brad would ride 32.28. Jason would ride 37.47. That's 116% of Brad time. And then Alex would ride 47.33. That's 153% of Brad time and 17.05 behind him. Now let's add in a 20k headwind on the way out. Turns out to be into a 20k tailwind on the way back. Here are the same course times. Brad would ride a 35.20, that's 2.52 slower on that still, from the still day. Jason would ride 42.08, that's 119% slower than Brad's time. Remember the first one was 116. And then Alex would ride 58.34, that's 166 of Brad's time, 23.214 um, behind. So it's about another 13% slower. So... Alex on a windy day gets 166% of Brad's time instead of 153, so that's 609 behind. But wait, that's not all. Even ignoring the effect of the wind, Brad is out on the course for only around 60% of the time of Alex. Since he's out there for less time, he can actually up his power output. Rather than like cycling in 70% of his FTP, he'll probably be able to cycle for more like 80%. In this case, his power output would go from to around 330 watt in the real pace, smashing even more time off the slower riders. On a still day, Brad would still only would drop to around 31.01. It's a massive 18 minutes 32 in front of Alex. The lesson here is that if you're faster on the bike, uh, you aren't just Oh, sorry. The lesson here <clears throat> is that your times on the bike aren't just proportionate to your fitness. The more power you develop, then the faster you'll go harder on the courses relative to slower riders. The less time you spend on the course means you you can pace yourself faster as well. Very good. That's a good geek out, isn't it? It is. And uh, and I don't, I'm not sure about all the physics of all this sort of stuff, um, but totally right. I think one of the main points here is if you are comparing your files to somebody who's fast or anything like that in terms of power he's exactly right there that the faster athletes can ride at a higher percentage of their FTP for uh, for any difference than what a slower athlete's going to be so really the message is if you're a slower athlete um, you're screwed you're screwed yeah. <laughs> you get past yeah. you're gonna, in the bad conditions you're going to get more screwed get, get, get on your bike mm. um, just Suzanne Wells you know Suzanne Wells yeah, yeah. yeah she sent me through an email because we were talking about Zoffingen mm. and she, she mentioned you, we didn't mention I should have mentioned Debbie Nelson she used to be a training partner of mine Debbie Nelson did she mm. well, she won Zoffingen mm. in 99 mm. she comes to my classes at the gym really yeah every every week Debbie. she's there I never knew she was a legend 
All right, yeah. She's Tell me a, about her. She's a, a a life member of our triathlon club. Really? She was, um, yeah, she won the World Duathlon Champs there. Yeah, I can't, couldn't remember what year it was. 99. She, she, she used to beat herself up in training, I tell oh, you. Well, she still does now. Yeah. Yeah, she's the kind of person, like, you get different types of people in your classes. Yeah. You get the people who love to, like, look at you and have a laugh. Mm-hmm. You get the people who kind of come in and out of focus, and you get the people who just put their heads down. Mm-hmm. They're there to do a job. Yeah. Debbie's the, that person. Yeah, so she won. Beats herself up. I love and, it. And she, um, she was, a, yeah, she, she, she raced duathlon full-time for, for a number of years and, uh, yeah, did Zoffingen and Did, did she do tries at all? No, she couldn't, she, she, would, she, she wouldn't go near a pool. Oh, really? <laughs> she was a good runner. She used to run sort of for, for, at, at a Canterbury sort of level and um, very gutsy athlete and just, just ramped up for that race every year and, and went around and did the Powerman circuit. Back in the, the, those days... So did you make much money from it? She wouldn't have made... Uh, she probably... Probably would have Pretty done dusty. okay with that race, but uh, she went around and did. There used to be a bit of a power man circuit, and um, she could make a, a make a bit out of it. Yep. Um, but she was an accountant as well. And uh, did um yeah. was so it was Debbie it, Nelson was it a massive good. thing when she won it? Because uh, that's was pretty big. That was big at that yeah, time. Yeah, it still she, was a big she thing. Got pretty good it? coverage back here. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was very, very, very strong athlete. I did a lot of training with her. Did she smash it? Uh, she. Well, I was probably. How old were I been then? Ninety nine. Well, not ninety nine. I was, I was a bit, I'd, I'd moved on a bit from there, but um, yeah, when I was a, a junior, I used to do quite a bit of riding with her. Hmm. Okay, we've got some news from uh, Belgium. Val Nicker is out of Hawaii due to an injury. He has a pelvic fracture. That's also the reason why he only got nineteenth in Ironman Journey, mm-hmm. Germany. Uh, the swim and the bike were not really a problem, but he couldn't run. He's hoping to do a seventy point three at the end of the season, and already looks ahead for Hawaii twenty fourteen. He thinks he, he still has two or three more good years in front of him. But the Belgians still have Freddie Van Leer and Bart Arnold. Uh, Van Leer is the top five contender with Arnold still getting better last year he was 12th to 13th in Hawaii so hopefully this year we'll get top 10 that's from Dave nice. and uh, I'm not sure if it's Cormac Ryan or Ryan Cormac Mighty Duck he's just got a quick message my mate John Adams from Dublin finished, uh, from Ireland finished his first Ironman at Challenge Road in July can you give call out his name on the show mentioned your list for finishes for a relevant Ironman nickname <coughs> Conan um, we don't really give Conan names do we oh no okay what what Oh, he's saying Ironman finishes. So what, what would 10.30 be? Can oh, I can't that? remember, Bevan. Well, no, we got it right here, down here, at the bottom of the show notes. Okay. <laughs> uh, a 10.30 An is animal. a sub-11, a Polini, Polani Predator. Polani Predator, there you go. So good old uh, John Adams. John Adams is a, it's a American guy. Wasn't he the guy who did capitalism? I'm pretty sure this guy thought up the, 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 the yeah, anyway. You're educating us, Bevan. Sponsor John. Coffeesofhawaii.com. And you bumped into Albert. With I didn't bump into him, John. I went out for dinner with him. We, we called up. Actually, I did bump into him. Yeah. It's one of those moments in life where you go, how the heck did that happen? Because Albert, Albert knew we were coming. He said, oh, why, don't, why don't we go for dinner? I was like, yeah, for sure. And um, he emailed me and we kind of crossed over and we said, when are we going to make it work? And it was Monday. Okay, Monday night, sweet. And because uh, we booked Albert for the Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday, we went and watched the America's Cup, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then we hired some bikes and we rode over the bridge. So foggy, you couldn't even see the bridge, but mm-hmm. it was still kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then we head back and we're heading back and uh, we've got to go back and we've got a little bit of an hour probably before we have dinner, before we go to Alcatraz. And Albert's running along the road and I bump into him. <laughs> and it was very lucky because Albert thought we were doing dinner on Sunday night. Right. And so it worked out quite well. And so we bumped into him and we said, oh, oh, he goes, I'll see you guys in about an hour. And we're like... <laughs> 
And then I went to check my emails because I thought oh, I'd stuffed up, and luckily he'd stuffed up. So, nice. and then we went out for dinner the next night. So it was great. So it's Mr. Coffees of Hawaii.com. And uh, if you guys want to check it out, um, they, they, they do some good updates on their Facebook page. So give, give them a like. They've got more likes on their Facebook page than, than us. No one they, likes us, John. That's why. They must, they must be doing something right. Um, so Facebook.com slash Coffees of Hawaii. Uh, and get all the updates from them there. If you need any of the promo codes for getting any coffee at all, then go to imtalk.me. The good thing about being a like on their pages, sometimes I'll just put some little specials out just Mm. for the Facebook audience, and you might want to just kind of jump on there. They also have lots of cool photos. And Albert was saying that they are going to be in Kona this year. He's not going to be there, but they're going to have the boat, the usual Kona boat out there, and so it's just Entertainment Plus, and it's basically the social meeting place. You've got got, uh, Lava Java, and you've got Coffees of Hawaii boat, and those are basically oh, that's all you need. It's it's, it's two places. It's the coolest thing to swim out to the boat in the mm. morning. Mm. You have your coffee, and, and you meet lots of people, and you mm. kind of have a bit of a chat and mm. hang around, and you know try to jump to the bottom and grab a piece of sand, yeah. get some blue seventy goggles, yeah, and then head back up. Yeah, it's only it's about five hundred meters for four hundred actually. It's enough space for me to get a little head start on Bevan and, and swims. Both years I've come out about the same time as you, but haven't I? Yeah, yeah. The handicaps have been fair. I know. Yeah. I know. Just one year. You smoked the transition in one year? Last year, no, I just didn't have the fight. Yeah. I was a bit weak in my mind, to be honest. I, was, I went to the, oh, you're not what you used to be. No, no. Yeah, you just got a bit of an edge on me and I didn't have the fight in me. So, the year before, I was an animal. So check it out, coffeesofaway.com, all the promo codes uh, on imtalk.me. And, got an email uh, from Albert yesterday, John. Yeah. Showing me his sign up for Comrades. All oh, right. Yeah. And now, nice. a little bit disappointed in him, but hmm? because Melina's and him, him and I were talking about maybe going in 15. Yeah. He's put a year forward. I can't do next year. Oh dear! But maybe, Too maybe busy. I'll go back the year afterwards because he's saying he might do because they do it one way, one year. Yeah, up and down. The up and, and so down. he's saying that maybe he'll go back fifteen as well. Because mm. would you like to do comrades? Uh, it's not. On, it's on my. It'll be on the hit list, but it's not. I'm not not as motivated as you are. I just like I, I wouldn't like. I'd just train to get it done. I wouldn't be trying mm. to smash any records. But yeah, yeah, I'd like to do it. Cool. Game on. That's good. Okay. Uh, maybe we're not doing that interview because we're fifteen minutes longer than I thought we were going to be. What do you mean for the whole show? Mm. Oh, good. Well, we would have wrapped it up. We, would have, we wouldn't have waffled so much. Yeah, so Legends of Triathlon will be coming out some stage later it's on late. this week. It's late. We know, but it's, we've been away. And, but the, the good news is it's a legend. It is. Uh, arguably, and I don't think too many people would win an argument, uh, the greatest short course male athlete of all time, Simon Lessing. I don't think many people would argue with that. Well, no, when does Brownlee take over? Oh, he's got to win a few more titles yet. This is Simon Lessing from 1992. Uh, what is it? Nineteen ninety-two. Unfortunately, he didn't have the Olympics. Yeah, nineteen ninety-two to nineteen ninety-nine. So seven-year period. So seven World Championships. One year he didn't race. No, it was eight. Maybe it was an eight-year period. Whatever. He got a medal every year that he raced. It was one year he didn't race. He got four golds. Uh, I think a silver and a and a bronze or something like okay, that. Okay, how long has Brownlee been around for? Five. Um. He raced in. When was the last Olympics? It was 2012, and he he, he raced in the Olympics before that, which was um, he didn't win that, did 2008, he? and he and he bombed out. But the year after that, that's when his dominance started. So from 2009 on, so it's onwards, been five years. Mm. Four. Oh no, because last the Olympics was last year. Mm. Oh, 2000, okay, yeah, yeah, four or five years. 2009, 2010, 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's in his fifth year now. Yeah. And he's he's but he's won everything since. So Pretty he's won much. just as many world championships, isn't he? 
Uh, it's a bit different now because you don't have a world championships. You kind of it's stupid there, isn't it? Yeah, I don't agree with that. I oh, you do. You, one thing you don't like about the ITU. Yeah. Wow. I like the series concept, but yeah, but you, got to have a you still have a, a race. They have a grand finale, but they don't really promote it, saying you're the world champion. They promote the person who's won the series as a world champion. Silly. It is silly, isn't it? Mm. Do you think they'll change? Mm, don't know. What's the feedback in the community? Does anyone else think it's silly? Yeah, I think they probably do. Do the athletes think it's silly? I'll have to ask them. Yep. Don't know. I reckon they're on par right now, actually, to be honest. I, I would say right now, Lessing and Brownlee are the two best ever. That Olympic performance. Yeah. That was pretty phenomenal. Lessing was more dominant than Brownlee is. Yeah, but the field's stronger now. Yeah, it is. So it's, you can, it's always... So uh, it's just, it's a, the, as dominant as Brownlee is now, mm. you know... I don't know, I just think right now, oh, well, come on, who, Bradley doesn't lose a race. Oh, he's keeping, but rather beat him once this year. Once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is very rare. I think Bradley will go down as the greatest. I don't know about that. Oh, really? Don't you know about don't? That. Yeah. Different eras. Do you, era, do you, do you, you think he'll go down to the Olympics, next Olympics, and win the next Olympics? I know it's hard to say, but um, he's got enough possibly, time. He's still young. Possibly, but you would have said the same about Lessing. A couple of years out from the Olympics, you would have said Lessing, late amateur. He's he's absolutely going to win it. What happened? Did he race the Olympics? Yeah, it just got ninth. No good. Um, he passed it by then. We'll find out. Hmm. We will find out. I'm not asking for Lessing. I'm asking for your opinion. Uh, he was just starting to peter out. It just came just at the wrong time for him. Yeah. Just bang on. You know when you get those elite athletes, those guys that are just crushing, crushing, crushing. And then it just the star just starts to fade, and he just hit it bang at the wrong time. Mm, poor guy. Yeah, still greatest, still greatest time. athlete of greatest all time. time. <laughs> okay, John, what you got? Something? Are we going to have a sponsor? Sponsors are uh, coffeesofway.com, Extreme Albert. Endurance, Buffer, Training Peaks, Results, and Athletics. Results. Yeah, Jumbo. What you got? So I've been away for three weeks. You must have some great stories for me. When I was away, every day I woke up in the morning and thought, I can't wait to get back. So John yeah. can tell me all his amazing stories. Well, I'm sitting here in fear at the moment. You're still in fear, aren't you? Yeah, I really am. If you look fear. at John's hand right now, because we're, we're, John's a man's man when it comes to training, but he's not a man's man normally. No. He just sits behind the office all day, don't you? Yeah, That's what you do. But on the weekend, he decided... I'm going to do some man's work, didn't you? Yeah, so I'm smashing all the area up around my pool, the big concrete area. I had the had the big concrete saw out. It was seriously hard work. And was it really? Yeah, yeah. How's your back? Uh, it was pretty ordinary, pretty ordinary. Because <laughs> you're just bending over. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is a saw. It's like a circular saw cutting concrete, and it was uh, hard work. So you cut it and then pull it up, did you? Yeah, mm. and it's, it was very hard. And um, I hate doing I've got one area, that, one area, oh, it was pretty good. Phil came around, and he, he thought he was just going to come around and have a look, and then he had the top off and he had this. Oh, uh, I've got a bit of man <laughs> yeah, so and um, but one area we had to go through that there was all these pipes and stuff, and I was like, "Choose, I want to hit the pipes," and um, and there was all this wiring and stuff there. So I had to turn the power. I wanted to turn the power off because I didn't really want to electrocute myself. That's a good call. And um, and forgot to turn it back. Well, I didn't forget to turn it back on. I turned the wrong switch back on. So wait a second. So you had no power. Yeah, in the house. And then, but you forgot? And then I turned the switches back on, but I didn't turn all of them back on because I thought the one that was by the pool was a different one. And that was actually for the hot water cylinder. Oh, no. So, so wait a second, you had no hot water? Yeah, so the next day the hot water was not so warm. It was doable. Yeah. It was doable. The day after, when I finally realised that I hadn't actually still switched it back on, it's a bit it cold. was cold. Oh, no. Belinda, fair to say she wasn't very happy. 
that's putting it very, very mildly. Yeah, this morning. But wait a second. Look, there's cold water. Surely you turned the hot water back on. <laughs> Surely I did. Went back and switched one of the switches back on. Got up this morning. Yeah, washing my hands. <laughs> Jeez, there's another switch up there that I think I should have hit, and I didn't. So I'm waiting here, rather scared uh, to go home. Just want to stay here tonight. I've yeah, got a spare room. I really do. We've got plenty of hot water. And it does get a little fired up on things like this, and uh, and so there. So there, anyway, that we had no water, and also I've got the other thing about wives is <laughs> about you'll, wives. you'll notice this hand, my right hand. No so pro- normally the right hand has more calluses no than problems. the left. Left hand, do you notice which finger that is? It's your index, your, your wedding ring. Yes. Yes. You notice where I've got this gigantic blister that has been popped and had to have all the skin cut off and yep. another blood blister. Yeah. It's your wedding ring. It was bloody grinding on my hand as I was waiting for the you take it off? Well, it was too late. I took my glove off and there was blood everywhere and, Phil, oh. and then Phil had the exact same thing on his hand. Oh. Damn wives. That's why I don't get married. Mm. Because I don't have to wear a ring. All right. You know the problem if, if I did get married, John? Mm. I would lose it day one. It doesn't come off. No, because you do. Do you never take you it get off? Get it appropriately sized. No, 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 because it fall off. I just put it down. And, I, I lose crap you don't all take the it time. Off. You don't take it off. You're, about, it's what, a sign that you're what screwed about when for you're life. Doing like, <laughs> oh, oh, is this the phone call? Can we record it? <laughs> she said, "You better be naming and shaming yourself on the podcast." <laughs> literally talking about it. Right literally now. doing it right now. <laughs> oh, that sounds a bit. No, but that sounds happy. Yeah, that's a little bit jokey. That's not. <laughs> Don't even bother coming home right now, John Newsom. So you might be, but you haven't got your ring on now. <laughs> I'm, recover, I'm in recovery mode. I so it. outside of that, did I? Had I biked to Tekapo? Was that before or after you went? I can't remember. Biked to Tekapo. That was pretty epic. It was. I don't um, know, maybe you were going to do it. Mm. Was it good? It was good, and training's going pretty well. Got sick. Got sick there for a little period, but outside of that, uh, going pretty good. And what else is happening? Um, No, everything's pretty good. Just doing a bit of. It's been it's, it's been quite good not having the podcast. Actually, I've been getting a lot done on Tuesdays and things like that. Oh, it takes up quite a lot of time. We work hard, don't we, John? We like, work hard. God, I was I was it was one of those things. I was getting everything done within my week, and now it's going to be all screwed uh, again. I've ruined your life, so it's all my fault again. Back to swing on Tuesday mornings and everything, and then I don't even let you do it. Yeah. yeah. So no, everything is pretty good. You week, could have swam this morning. You should have rugby. You should have texted me and said I'm going to go swim because lessons off. Doesn't matter. I'll get it done. When get will you go? Uh, maybe tomorrow. Uh, yeah. So today, today's zero day now. No, I go biking. Oh, okay. Uh, so in general, life's pretty good. And Bevan, give us a, you go, give us a high five of your trip because you, you can talk a for hours. Five. Give us a high five. Five, five. Just five, quickly, five I did meet things. James Botel. Okay. On nice the Times Square. Mm-hmm. And he generously shouted us up to the top of the rock. Okay. That was really cool too. Very nice. That was that, that would be my high five. The top. So to to our. No, to the rock. So the rocks, um, the Rockefeller Centre. It's oh, one of okay. the top buildings. But the thing is, you go into the top building, and because you normally would go up Empire State, but the thing is, you get to see Empire State from the rock. So it's quite right. Yeah, it's quite cool. High five, John. That's one. You got four other points. Oh, four more. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I don't know now. High five. What anything in Vegas? Vegas is good, but we just sat by the pool. America's Cup. Oh, America's Cup would be there. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because you go to America's Cup. I'm not much of a boatie. I don't really mm. care about boats, but but it was awesome. You mm. know, you kind of think, oh, go, we, we're definitely going to go there. It was on, and we kind of thought, well, we'll go check it out and sat down, and, and kind of thought, you know, it'd be fun. But it was absolutely fantastic. Mm. It was really great. The way it set up was really cool. Just the, a shame uh, about the racing. Oh we, well, we're just so dominant, but it doesn't really matter. It was yeah. kind of fun. Um, uh, what else? So that's oh, two. Al- Alcatraz was awesome. Three. Oh, John, three. <laughs> yeah. Five. Yeah. 
the time with my lovely partner. Yeah, so that's number one. No, it's, it does oh, I get away with that, too. Yeah, okay, good. Um, New York. New York's so good. There's so much to talk about for New York. Shows. Okay. Went and saw um, Jersey Boys. Okay. Mamma Mia. Right. You know all the words to that one, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And Penn and Teller. When okay. I saw Penn and Teller, I got a photo of Penn afterwards. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even look happy to be next to me. Wait a second, I'll pull up and I'll show you. Um, what else? I don't even know who they are. Penn and Teller, the magicians. Yeah. Oh, John, yes, I'm not going to show you the photo now. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's four. What is the last one? You've only got one thing left. The best highlight. So you did Vegas, you did San Fran, you did New York, and you had to go to Florida or Florida something. Florida was awesome as well. My work was awesome, but I'm, I'm not taking that one. Yeah. Um, I don't even know, John. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Okay, yes, it was. Okay, number five. Here it comes. Number five. Da, 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 da. So, so all those other things were the very touristy things. And, yeah. and you know what? I love America. Um, I was, really enjoyed it. But one day we went to Washington Park in Greenwich in New York, and we mm-hmm. sat around, and we, it was just a beautiful Saturday afternoon, and um, there were buskers mm-hmm. and the guys playing chess and, and it was just it was just a really cool place to be. That was pretty cool. Okay. Two other quick things, John. Yeah. Joe pooed in Central Park. In the park. Not in the toilets. In the park. What? <laughs> exactly. One thing about America, John, is they have restrooms nowhere. There's no public yeah. toilets. Yeah. Nowhere. Has this been, you've, you've been authorised, you're allowed to yes, say this Yes, I did say so I have to tell the show this, and she's in the next room, so she probably hears this right now. So, like, you go, you go to the World Trade Centre, you know, yeah. you go to the area, thousands of people, no yeah. restrooms. They have a sign, no restrooms. And you, you go in, you're locked in, you can't you just walk in and out, you're locked yeah. in, you pay, you know, you've got to give donation, you put 20 bucks towards it, they don't even have, like, portaloos. Really? They just, they just don't even have restrooms. And so you... Don't call them restrooms, they're toilets. In America, it's restrooms, John. I suppose. I'm being, I'm just being, when in Rome. They're toilets. And so I, so I. You're not resting and you're not even asleep, you go in the toilet. No, there's a lot of effort sometimes going in, isn't it? Let's be honest. So then, because I drank so much, because I just drank so much over there. So I was always busting for a pee and there was no restrooms anywhere. So Joe went for a run one morning. I couldn't run because I got a knee injury. And uh, she, she felt a bit sick and it wasn't in a good place. And. Central Park. You'd think there'd be restrooms there, were there, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. No? So she had to jump a fence. She went to a place called Strawberry Fields, which yeah. I thought was quite appropriate for yeah. what happened in that yeah. place. Had to, she thought she was in Stinging Needle. Yeah. Had to do the squat. Yeah. Got out, tried to escape before the cops found her. Yeah. Came home and she wasn't in a good place. Oh, no. But not many people can say they're pooed in Central Park, can they? No. Yeah, joking. Joking. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. And one thing else, John, is I didn't There's worry about- seven. Yep, <laughs> that was, okay, I'll give that one to you. That's a, a, a legitimate add-on to the high five. Yeah, um, that when it comes to eating in America, I didn't try to eat healthy. Right, I didn't try at all. Mm. And the thing about the Americans is they're renowned for bad food, I aren't did they? Notice that little belly hanging <laughs> over your belt there. Yeah, I put yeah. on fifty kg. Uh, I didn't. I didn't eat well, and I didn't try. And the thing about the Americans, John, is they do shit food, but they do it so well. <laughs> I, oh, have you heard of Chipotle? Have you heard of it? Yeah. Have you heard it? No. Oh, John, it's so good. Yeah. It's like Mexican burritos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, divine. I had I literally would have had twenty one days I was here. Probably had twenty one burgers. Right. I had a burger a day. It's disgusting. Oh, no, John, it was good. And the one thing I will say is, it's renowned as having big servings. They weren't big servings. Okay. They were good. You know, a burger and fries was all you needed. Mm-hmm. Pretty much what I lived on. Nice. So America, USA, 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 Gosh. USA. Oh, this is going to be a long show. Uh, a bit two hours. Mm. 
Yep. All right. Two hours, yep. Got to go do some training. Go do some training, Flamed. I've got to do some training because I've got a 20 If I go a little bit longer, I'll, by the time I get home, Belinda will take the kids to school, so that'll work in well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to listen to this. Fear in my voice. The fear, the quivering of his gonna, Next few weeks, we're going to have a little bit of a focus on... Uh, Coda? Nah, it's only September. Yeah, no, not quite. But um, next week, we're going to have a guy talking about... Um, using fat a bit more instead of carbohydrates. So slightly higher fat versus carbohydrate when you're training. So a bit more of the sort of metabolic efficiency. Oh, we're going to open that door again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's not that. We haven't opened that door too hard. Um, when we, we open we, these doors, it just ends up being a hassle because then you get one guy, oh, I'm doing paleo, and another guy, oh, I'm vegan, and another guy, oh. We just expand. We're going with the growth mindset, Bevan. I've, you know what I've got? What? The burger diet. Right, yep. yeah, burger okay. Chipotle. You can't go wrong. There's plenty of energy in that food, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yep. there you go. So anyway, we're going to talk a bit more about um, using fat to as a, um, a source of energy, a bit more than just tapping your carbohydrate stores all the time. So looking forward to that. Okay, well, I'm so am I. And Legends of Triathlon will uh, come out at some stage this week. We're probably, probably, we're recording Friday, so mm. I'll, I'll try to get up Friday, mm. um, which will be what. Thursday American time. Yeah, so check it out, guys. It'll be amazing because Lessing's good. And he's very dry, so I'm sure he'll give us a hard time. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.